tasting of vegetables. That's what it sounds like. Hey everyone, welcome to the OFC Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Bowles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network, where we will dice up vegetables. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just putting that out there. Fuck, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, joining me, per usual, for all the good time and fun, Jude Seymour, Senior Editor, and Chief Inspector, Brendan Mecca-Linden. Gentlemen, happy, happy March. We did, we did a March show already, right? Smarch? Stupid yeah, smarch. smarch. We're here. Yeah, this is yeah, the month is- I try and convince my wife to eat corned beef. Uh, almost every day, and she and the kids push back against me, and uh, I keep trying. We actually went fucking snow tubing uh, just a few days ago, like holding on to the last bit of winter as best we can. Because, quite honestly, and this is going to get me eviscerated uh, with some people because of the NCAA tournament, March Madness, and St. Patrick's Day. We we hate March. Like March is Ooh. the worst month. It's it's too damn long. Thirty one days. February would like a word. The weather is. Oh, I I enjoy February. I enjoy February more than March. I have a better idea of what I'm getting day in and day out in February than I do in March. And it's not the good kind of surprise. It's the son of a bitch kind of a thing. I I'm not I'm not a March fan at all. Like March can burn in hell. Dude, have hurts, you been enjoying right? 60, 60 degree weather? Yeah. You know, uh, yes, I have. Today, I actually went and took a uh, walk around my neighborhood, which was, uh, I just, it felt so awesome. It, 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 probably thirty minutes prior to that, my wife was out chipping the last remainders of ice out of our driveway, while my kids were um, biking around. So it just felt like very much like, oh, my gosh. Although we call this false uh, spring sometimes because exactly, you get this, exactly. You get this two or three nice days and then it, it goes back to, to punishing you. So I mean, March should be called Satan's time <laughs> because it is the it is the prince of darkness. It is the the father of all lies. And look, I, I have a big. Uh, I, I don't give a shit what Dan Rubenstein says. He sure, sure as fuck don't speak for me. Uh, and he's ridiculous in his takes. I like all four seasons. I enjoy all four seasons for their merits. Uh, and so, but March is just that dumbass month that can, it, it is the, the month that cannot make up its mind what the hell is going on. And we all know what's going to happen. Like we all, we're all buying into the lie. Like many people across this country buy into lies every day. But it's annoying. It's annoying as hell. Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a terrible fucking month. It's a terrible month. Yes, you'll enjoy your 60-degree weather today. Uh, three days from now, when you're going outside, think, you know, because you're not, you really shouldn't be glued to your weather app, I suppose. But then it's like, it's 38. And it's like, maybe I should not have worn these seven-inch inseam uh, mesh shorts. I mean, maybe I shouldn't wear those anyways on a 65 or 80 degree day, but it happens. I mean, let freedom ring. (laughs) (laughs) 
America. <laughs> it is. I mean, wearing short shorts is America. Skies out, thighs out. Uh, I got to think of a, of a second of a second verse uh, that we can make popular. But anyways, uh, so we're back. Uh, it's a bit, little extended week there. Um, but I mean, there's, there's a lot going on at the same time. Not a lot going on. Had a hell of a time last night watching uh, Notre Dame win a buzzer beater and Prentice Hub just laying it down to the four Wake Forest fans in the building. Um, and right now, as we speak, uh, <laughs> things aren't going so well against North Carolina. Uh, it looks really bad, actually. Uh, but we're here. We got, uh, well, what? Big Ten hockey tournaments coming up. Notre Dame, that's another conference championship Notre Dame has to win to probably get into the NCAA tournament. Notre Dame baseball is ranked in the top 25 uh, for the first time in, hell, I don't even remember how long. Uh, so, I mean, there's some things going on. Recruiting's heating up. It's always recruiting season. Uh, but before Things across got to win. Get, just put in a dub, right? That's right. Yeah. Hell yeah, they did. But before we uh, go any further, speaking of Cruton, there is a, a couple of things uh, I need to get off the desk. Um, first, uh, friend of the pod, friend of mine, Tom Loy, uh, unexpectedly lost his mother, uh, I think, a couple of days ago. Uh, and out, she lives out in California. So I just want to you know, put that out. If you haven't heard, if you follow her in recruiting, there's no way you haven't heard. Um, but, you know, make sure you're, you keep his family your thoughts and prayers. <clears throat> there are there are Venmos and uh, GoFundMe's out there. Uh, they're not too hard to find over on Twitter and also on uh, 24/7 uh, form. So uh, we wish Tom and his family, um, you know, all the best uh, while they're trying to deal with this. Uh, again, it was kind of a, it was an unexpected thing. So those are those making things even tougher. So. Uh, but Tom was like on today. God, he's the ultimate professional. He was on today with some news, you know, so he, he's a he's a guy that's well respected, not just by Notre Dame fans for what he does, but really all all across. I mean, you go look at the board, some of the other message boards, Michigan, Penn State, even uh, a lot of love uh, thrown Tom's way and well deserved. Um, and then uh, also another friend of ours, friend of the pod, friend of the site, Carter Carls. Uh, unfortunately, this uh, South Bend Tribune. Uh, there are a bunch of cocksuckers, uh, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I don't know how you take the, I don't know how you can sit there and make a decision that the hometown newspaper is going to cut you know, the recruiting coverage short uh, out of that. I don't know. Carter would never use such blue language uh, as I'm using, uh, but it, it's pretty shitty. And it's a big loss to Notre Dame. I mean, there are, there's also some recruiting coverage out there. Uh, but I thought what Carter did and what he brought to the table was unique. Uh, and keep in mind, he, it was his interviews from the U.S. Uh, Army All-American Bowl uh, with like Jalen McMillan that really kick-started this whole Brian, you know, finishing the top five recruiting class thing with Brian Kelly. Uh, that's all that that stemmed all. That's a domino effect from Carter's interview and his reporting. Uh, so he does an excellent job. I have no doubt that he's going to land on his feet elsewhere, but it, it sucks that he is no longer, um, going to be, you know, with us, uh, on the beat cover in Notre Dame. Uh, terrible, terrible. That, that a hometown paper, seriously. Uh, 
I didn't expect. Did you? You it, you the newspaper. You're in the newspaper business, and 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 I have friends that that have been for a long time, and they've all been warning me of this for for the last ten years that anything can and will happen. But I did not expect the hometown paper to come in and dice it up like this. It just it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So unfortunately, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, when you are when revenues are are sagging, um, and I I have to imagine just this general state of being a newspaper plus combined with the pandemic. You know, you you've got you are looking for places to cut. Uh, Carter wasn't the only person that was cut that day. No. I think he had a colleague as well. But if you think about you know sort of what you think you can. What you think you can get a return on investment for, um, you know, you might you might say that, you know, there's other people doing recruiting and therefore let them sort of do it. And then we'll focus. We'll tighten up our coverage and we'll supplement it with, I think, what they're doing now, which is they're making Eric kind of do a, a roundup where he talks to, you know, Tom Lemmings and Steve Whitfongs of the you know, and ask some general questions or whatever, and right. sort of does it that way. Um, it's not as good, obviously. It's not as uh, important. It's not. It's not going to ever get to the the level that that Carter got with with some of these stories that he wrote that really kind of I think changed the the recruiting landscape. Um, but you know, if I think it just goes, it, it, it underscores a point which I've been saying for for a couple of years now, which is. If you like the work that Carter and Tyler and and Eric are doing, you, you got to put the money down for the for the premium subscription. You know, maybe you don't think it's worth it. Maybe you don't think it's worth the the money that you spend or whatever. But I think if you think about it in terms of you're supporting their jobs, um, you're allowing them to continue to do the work that you think has value. Um, that's you know you got to sort of put where you, your money where your mouth is, and um, you know it's tough. And, uh, you know, they didn't they didn't run constant sales like 24 seven or, you know, other sites do to to get your business. And, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, Carter was seen as expendable. And, and I, don't, I don't agree with the decision. I think I think um, recruiting is great. I think it's, a, it, it's you know, I think the South Bend should have a, a South Bend Tribune should have a dedicated writer. And I think Carter was a good fit. And I think he was doing it's hard work. to talk about a college football program without including recruiting. I mean, it's, it's impossible to have a, it's an, a concise conversation without. Recruiting. Well, and I think it's the lifeblood of they're, college. They're, they're still going to talk about recruiting. Yeah. They're just not going to have somebody dedicated to that beat. Right. Because they're just, they've, they've made the decision that there are not enough people who read Carter's stuff or who, who will they're miss for, yeah, who will miss Carter's stuff uh, that yeah. they can't it's have. It's outsourced America. Yeah. It, and unfortunately, it's the name of the game when you're looking to cut a couple of positions. You know, you just can't you can't afford some. I mean, like you're never going to cut the main guy. Right. And so unfortunately, Carter was the last one in and he's got the he's got the kind of extraneous beat as, as they as they see it. I don't I don't agree with the decision, but that's how they see right, it. No, so. I, I think we all understand what you're saying. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard for us to separate, too, because we like we legit like Carter as a as an individual, as a human being. We've had him on our show a couple of times. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. So, you know, it's, it, I don't want to say this gets easier or makes more sense if, if you know, it's, um, you know, somebody in that 
in that job that that we don't like as much. But um, I, you know, I, I think it's I think it's doubly hard just because we think Carter's is just honestly a good dude, and he makes and he writes good stories. Are you saying so. if a certain if someone who coached at a D three level at one time and now covers a, a, a sport was let go, there would be no there would be no just, memorial on the uh, OFT I'm, podcast? I'm I don't even think about him. I was thinking more like an EJ Holland, you know, like a guy oh, that is just like, you know, if if EJ Holland lost his job, like I think people would be tempted to say like good riddance, right? And I. And, but I, I still don't I'll think never, that, I'll never celebrate the loss of anyone's right. job. That's that's with, the point with, I was going to try to make, which is even if you didn't like the person in the job, you, you, you see the value of the job. So I, I, I might throw a little mini fist pump to myself in the office. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, never publicly. That's just that's no good. Oh, shoot. So, yeah, we got that. Brennan, how are you? How you feeling over there tonight? How, are you feeling loose? I'm feeling pretty good. Um, like I'm like I said, it's uh, it's March. This is my month. Uh, lots of corned beef. Um, it's really the only month I drink Guinness because normally I find better stouts. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty loose. I'm excited. Spring is in the air, right? And um, I mean, wait. there there is air outside. There, there is air. I was, uh, uh I, I was out there. You know what else is out there? I was hoping you were going to say there were some reviews, reviews, but there are, what? There, there, there might even be some hot air in some of these podcast reviews. Uh-oh. So just a reminder, everyone, get, <laughs> get on over to Apple podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review, whatever review you leave. I will read on the next OFD podcast. Uh, just a, just a little side note. Uh, my aunt, uh, and this is my, this is one of my aunt. I mean, I, I was raised by aunts and they're all fantastic. This one in particular, my aunt Sarah was the one that would like beat the shit out of you. And sorry, uh, as, as like, when you're like five years old because she will, she refuses to lose. Like she's instills like nothing's going to get handed to you fight for it. Like bring your pennies to to penny poker night while I'm babysitting you tonight, and you're going home broke. I mean, did, she's did the aunt that, that she would. That of you and say sorry. No, no, the board game. Sorry. Oh, the board game. oh I, like, I like in a game full just, of chance. Yeah, she just somehow she found she a just, she found a way to always win because she's who I mean she probably cheated, but she's probably like, well, catch me. I mean, that, she's a hard ass, but wow. she, had, <laughs> she had read an article. She, uh, she had pulled up an article and she used our, our feature on the site, you know, where you can, uh, where you can listen to it. And she, she told me she was disappointed that it wasn't me reading it and that it was just, you know, the, the automated thing, which is it's actually, it sounds really good. Uh, but she said she was disappointed in me. I said, Hey, just go listen to the podcast. I'm like, bro, that's like a two and a half hours. And people don't tell me I don't shut the fuck up. Uh, so if you want to hear me talk, by all means, use that. Uh, and then late last night, I had somebody, uh, a friend of mine, uh, message me asking me about the podcast. So these are so people I know just slowly but surely getting back, getting, making sure people that, you know, are listening to this, uh, gets a little scarier, <laughs> but anyways, get your ass over, leave that rating, leave a review on the podcast. 
what kind what what kind of rating are we looking for, Brendan? Primarily those Julian Love earned five stars. Earned. All the way earned. All American earned. Two time all American earned five star status. So let's get it started tonight, Ed. Uh, we're we're gonna have to start with something that is not a five star. This one is from I've played the game is his name. Mm. I, I'm going to make sure I read this uh, correctly uh, with every bit of elementary gr- grammar, fuck ups sounding. Uh, I want to make sure I, I sound this out. Here we go. F dash 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 ing every other word. Guess if your spelled Y O U R in high school, you may like this podcast. S dash T F dash King. Every other word grow up, have something to say and say like an adult. Well, Mr. I play the game. I am 42 fucking years old. As I've said on pretty much every podcast we recorded. Uh, so whatever, oh, man. man, learn to I'm 40. Use, he didn't even put a period after an adult. Learn to use punctuation. Learn to put a sentence together. I mean, call it defensive. I wonder if the oh, I wonder if the Pod Save America guys get reviews like this. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if you I don't know if you ever listened to Pod Save America, but it's like th- three former Obama staffers, and they just talk about like, the news of the day or whatever. And yeah, yeah. you know, I, I listen to it, and my, you know, they drop the the they drop the f bomb as liberally as they want to or whatever, and um. You know, to be honest with you, like my wife gets all, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but my wife gets so upset about this stuff or whatever. She's like, you can't listen to this around the kids or whatever. I'm like, my kids are not even tuned into swears at this age. They just, they don't even know what these swears are. So if you don't act like it's a big deal when it's said, then it, they like, they are way more, you know what they're tuned to do? When Autumn Calabrese says something about get your butt down. They're like, yeah. she said, get her butt down. You know what I mean? like, that's what they're way more into. Not the guy who's like. I always you feel know. like I'm getting punished when she says, "Get your butt down." <laughs> no, yeah, it's. it's she not can going be. I well. mean, she's tough. It's not going. No, well, it's not so. going well. Oh, Look, I am breathing heavy. You know, at the, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, not for everyone, and we're we're okay with that. We're okay with that. So. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I mean. Uh, the whole adult thing cracks me in up. Fa- in in <laughs> fact, to be honest with you, I'm kind of glad to get reviews like, reviews like this exist because if if somebody's reading the reviews and they're like, oh, they swear a lot in this the show, I don't want to I don't want to listen to it. That's probably a good thing, you know, saving everybody saving each other time. Some here. Yeah, yeah, it'd be it'd be fantastic. I mean, some episodes get more than others. That's usually the one where Jude and I are shouting at each other. Oh my god, uh, but. I mean, there's. I mean, at this point, there's, there's no need. It, it, it is what it is. It always will be. So, uh, welcome to America in 2021. <laughs> I mean, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how, how, how to describe it. Uh, grow up. How about that? Um, all right, next one here. This is. Uh, oh, this is. This might be one of my favorite reviews. Uh, this, this, is, this goes in the category of one of my favorites. So this is f- five stars here. Uh, this is from Forever LN3 Fangirl. Do you guys know what LN3 is? LN3. 
That one I don't think I know. Lewis Nix the third. Oh, nice. Yes, it is. I that, I guarantee that. I yes. I bet that is it. Okay. Yep. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Good call. Good pull. I, yeah. Uh, she says five stars all around. Longtime listener finally decided to write a review. I wanted to say all three of you are those earned Julian Love five stars in my book. Uh. <laughs> I am an ND grad and ND mom. My current <laughs> sophomore son and I listen together apart and share laughs over your endlessly inter- entertaining commentary and trips down assorted rabbit holes. I listen to way too many ND pods and I am finding myself opting out of most and just looking forward to yours as it gives me joy and optimism and escape the negativity that can overwhelm on other sites. Like so many, I was devastated by the passing of Big Lou. During our annual mother-son trek back to an ND game in 2012, it was the Michigan game, he took time after the game to talk to my then 11-year-old son and give him an autograph and post for photos. He could not have been nicer. He has since been my all-time favorite ND player, which is saying something since I was the same year as Tim Brown and knew him well and had been uh, my prior favorite, having supplanted Joe Montana. This leads me to my question. Who are your favorite all-time top three players and why? Thanks for all you do. Keep them coming. I will listen for as long as you want to talk, which can be very long sometimes, right? <laughs> right, boys? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Top top three players. Uh, Before we start about this, let's just let me just ask you a question. Why do you think we're attracted to certain guys, certain people? Like, is it is it? Is it always the I had an interaction with him and he seemed like a cool dude? Sometimes I would think that's probably a, a good a good reason why. Is it one of my guys is going to be Joey Gatherall? I'm spoiler alert, and and I think it's just because Joey was Joey and I were as tall as each other. We weighed about the same amount. Uh, amount but he uh, <laughs> you could project he, yourself out in the field. He was Am I right? he was he gave hope for all the people that were uh, you know slow white versions of himself. You know, so yeah, slow, slow being the key word. Slow, there, I think, is the yeah, the optimal word there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joey Gatherall fly. Joey Gatherall uh, was think, was not slow. No, he was not slow. Were you asking? Were you asking why Lewis was such a fan favorite for everybody? No, I'm just I'm saying like what oh. when you think about favorites, like is it because of their oh. like is Brady Quinn your favorite because he was great on the, on the field, or was Brady Quinn your favorite because after a game one time he spent five minutes to talk to you? Uh, you know, it was Brady Quinn your favorite oh, I think because that, I think that varies for everybody across right, the board. Right, but, yeah. and I, but, but I think all those things too, though. Yeah, I think sometimes it comes down to a personal connection. Like you, you shared a moment with that person, and you you really like it. And sometimes it, I think it's a, it's a mirroring effect, which is like this guy reminds you of your dad or yourself or right. you know somebody that you like, and and you just like. Or you, you you know you buy into the hype of the the announcer like oh Rocky Boyman's ready to play two games today you know like Rocky's my favorite you know what I mean like just um, I mean Rocky Boyman was a cornerback on the NCAA football game which was fantastic <laughs> and he dominated he dominated uh, in the <laughs> against the run uh, in that game at corner just a little information there uh, yeah so you Joey Gatherall's I and I knew that that that's your your number that's I don't know if it's your number one, but if you said to, hey who are Jude's three, I would definitely knew that Gatherall be one. Yeah. What's your I, what's Yeah. I mean I look I, I can name a ton. I I have a lot of favorites. You know what I mean? I think that's sort of the the fun of it, right? Which is like, um, you know, I I, I 
I think I, I've made no secret of the fact that I am the official president of the unofficial Corey Holmes fan club. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 never had, I never had a single interaction with Corey Holmes. I, I don't know. I don't know him from Adam, to be honest with you, but there was just something about the way that he played in one spring game. And you know this is this is my <laughs> this is my warning every spring game. Don't fall in it's love. The, it's the, Don't uh, fall in love with Corey Holmes. You, you, know? you had as many interactions with Corey. You had as many interactions with Corey Holmes as he did with opposing teams' defensive backs. <laughs> <laughs> it's the movie Love Affair with Warren Beatty and Nat Benning. You you just love the way he moves. You love watching him move. Yeah, yeah. And then you know. Look, a guy that's been on my mind a lot, and I don't know if he, I don't know if he's a favorite, but he's just somebody that I've been thinking about a lot. Is Brandon Hoyt? You know, um, I've written articles. I've written an article for the for One Foot Down a couple of years ago about why Brandon was my favorite player of the Willingham era. I think it's ultimately really fascinating that he that he was there for the for the end of the Davy, the entirety of the Willingham, and the start of the Weiss eras. I think that's really interesting. Um, he and I share a couple of you know, broad connections, which is we lived in the same residence hall. We both were from Jersey. He, he's a little bit more central Jersey than I was. Um, there was a, there's a place called Bullwinkles. There was a, a concession basic, basic place. They made a food for, for students. He ran it after I did. So there's some parallels there, but you know, look, um, you know, I, I think as I mentioned on this, this show before, um, you know, Brand's in a hard way right now. He's he's sitting in jail in, in San Diego, and and there's there's really nothing that I can do about that fact. Um, but that hasn't stopped me from from opening up the browser every day and writing him a quick note and just saying, you know, keep your head up and we're we're uh, you know we're rooting for you and we hope that you ha- get the help that you need. And I know a lot of really important people are in his corner, um, and so. I feel confident that the Notre Dame family is going to can, can come through for him. But I, you know, Brandon and I probably interacted less than five times. Um, but he just, he struck me as a, as I think the term is gentle giant. I, you know, struck me as a guy who was sensitive and I knew about his, this poetry and, and I just, you know, and I, he was a real warrior on the field and I appreciated that about him. And, um, you know, so right now, if, I, I think if you're catching me at this time, I think, you know, I think I think about Brandon, uh, you know, in my top three, um, in addition to the, the two other gents that I named. Okay. Brendan, uh, what do you got there over there? Uh, for me. They're all, they're all number 23. That's that's kind yeah. of where I was going to go with it. Uh <laughs> Autry Denson. I think we've answered uh, this before. Autry Denson and Golden Tate right off the top. Um, I'm not sure if Drew Tranquil is in in that uh, in that mix. He he is on my wall of 23. I mean, he. I mean, is your top three though? I I don't know if he's my third favorite uh, Notre Dame player of all time. What's your top three of 23s? Uh, yeah, I think he's probably in the top. Uh, there is a 23, though, uh, presently, and I'm not talking currently about Litchfield Avon. Uh, currently stealing your heart like a bowling ball? Currently s- s- stealing my heart. And um, it, I've been looking up uh, ways to um, create edible hats because uh, of this number 23. <laughs> Get yourself a 3D printer and make it out of, like, uh, beef jerky or some shit. No, I'm pretty sure what I'm going to end up doing is I'm going to 
create my own um, uh, moss, my own, uh, you know, a corn tortilla and make a, make a oh, tortilla hat. Sounds wonderful. <laughs> right. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. Um, but yeah, it, right off the top is golden Tate. Um, just because of how fun and electric he was. And then Autry Denson, he was really the, the player of my childhood and something my wife and I had to, um, bond over. with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Julius Jones as well, right? Your, your wife and you. Julius Jones with Pitt. Yeah. Uh, seeing the, although he was 22, not 23. So he was 22. Yeah. Um, as far as a third player goes, uh, I find it very difficult to really tag myself to a favorite player. And because I think of more, it's kind of corny, but I, I gravitate more towards like favorite teams more so than like the individual components of the team. Like I, I definitely have favorite teams and it's not necessarily like, you know, 2012, 18, 20. There's, there's teams that I really enjoy. Um, but yeah, I have a hard time and I've thought about like who my favorite Notre Dame players are of all time. And it's it's very difficult for me to kind of pick a third outside of those two. If that makes sense. So Josh, it does. Before we, Josh, before we get to your three. Before I list off my twenty. What's that? <laughs> you're you're list twenty. I list off uh, my twenty. I uh I want to I wanna guess at Greg's. Top three, Greg, a friend of the podcast, oh, oh, frequent guest. Yeah, good call. Um, good call. So I'm gonna is is Kyle Hamilton in all three spots allowed? Uh, because if so, then yes. that's probably the answer. But yeah. um, all kidding aside, Kyle Hamilton, Rocket Ishmael, and what do we think on the third one? Or do you think Rocket's number two? I think Rocket's number two, right? Rocket's probably two. Kyle's number one. Actually. I- if we're gonna be honest, is I don't know if he might say it because it's the brand. Because it's on brand for him, yeah. It, it's on brand for him. I think Rocket is number one, and I right. think if he tells us otherwise, he's lying. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know who the third one. Maybe. I mean, he likes all those old '90s backs, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's. I mean, I mean, maybe it's like a maybe it's like a Bobby Taylor. Oh yeah. Maybe it's Harrison Smith. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's that dude who uh, played corner and wide receiver uh, in the 77 USC Notre Dame game, Ted Bergmeister. Who knows? Well, who can really well, say? I mean, <laughs> I mean Greg, Greg wasn't born yet then. So. <laughs> Neither any of us. So. <laughs> but you're right. Going to sort of the cornerback safety route probably is a, is a safe yeah. play for number three. So, well, all right. Well, that's, I, that's a route that's familiar with me, which we'll right. find out here in a second. But. Yeah. I was going to say, go, I, I'm looking forward yeah. to hearing your three. It's difficult for me because I have all sorts of quirks that I love about players. Uh, I mean, all sorts of, I mean, all sorts of different random shit uh, that makes a player stick out to me. Um, you know, I created the, the people's champion thing. Uh, it's kind of like an, an odd thing, but, but my, my favorite player of all, my favorite Notre Dame football player of all time, without a doubt, uh, is Jeff Burris always has been, Mm -hmm. uh, Jeff Burris was a, was a fantastic safety at Notre Dame, but also when Notre Dame got near the goal line, they went into T formation and I'd say 80% of the time handed the ball off to Jeff Burris who would score 90% of the time from that handoff. Uh, 
And I just I love time. It works 90 percent of the time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So and I just I mean, I loved it. Uh, I I loved everything about Jeff Burris. He played tough. Um, He was excellent in coverage, playing the two way thing, getting this, you know, I mean, it's just as a 15 year old, 14, 15, 16 year old kid. uh, He was he was everything I wanted to be as a football player. Um, that, you know, I'm not thinking about like Tim Brown from, you know, years earlier when I was a kid watching, this is the guy who like, when I'm like really starting to understand football, like when you really start to understand it there in your mid teens, uh, you know, the game and starting to respect certain parts of it. He's the one that I, I, I look to, um, and that he'll always be number one, hands down for me. Now, as we get into the, the next two slots and trying to squeeze like 30 guys that I, I know. It's, I mean, it, it is difficult. It is very difficult. Um, but I've got, I'm, I said Bobby Taylor for, for Greg, so I didn't mm. have to. Because mm-hmm. Bobby Taylor's name should be made. Because as a defensive back, it, Bobby Taylor was another one that, like Jeff Burris, incredible player. Um, and really, he's an, he's an all-timer for Notre Dame. I mean, a true all-timer. Mm-hmm. But uh, I actually flipped over. I got – I'll keep it simple. I got two slots here, both offensive players. Uh, Both fullbacks. First one goes. <laughs> I think a quarterback no. might get named here. Surprisingly, no fullbacks. This absolutely Jimmy Clausen. Jimmy Clausen. There you go. Uh, Look, nobody appreciates <laughs> the fuck you do more than I did. I think. I mean, I think Clausen could do that as well as anybody right now. Like fuck you. Like go look at his game at Notre Dame. I when we talk when we talk about when the debate came up about. Ian Book and Brady Quinn. What was comical to me was the Brady Quinn supporters that in every argument they used against Ian Book, they have denied the same type of argument when it comes to Quinn versus Clawson. Right. He had no offensive line. He yeah. 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 He had no defense. You want to talk about he was too young. Yeah. The yep. one of those three quarterbacks who had absolutely nothing like helping him out besides a couple of his wideouts. It was fucking Jimmy Clawson. No defense, no offensive line. I mean, come on, it's not even close. Uh, but Jimmy Who's was your a favorite th- favorite thousand yard running back that Jimmy had <laughs> over the course of the Weiss era. <laughs> <laughs> during while well, Jimmy's time there, they yeah, get thousand yards. I mean, did Armando Allen have a thousand all-purpose yards, including his kickoff and punt returns? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's actually I mean, a pretty good maybe, question. I think he did. I think he just got it, which is ridiculous. I think it was sort of like an arm. I think he, he almost got there, but he was just tripped up by the shoelaces. (laughs) So a squared, Um, but no, I mean, Jimmy was a tough, was a tough customer. And we've we've talked about that many times in the show. And it's what I respect a lot about him. That it doesn't get brought up enough is everyone wants to bring up this, they hate him because of his haircut, which is bull, which is, are you, I couldn't think of anything sillier than to like hate someone because of their fucking haircut. Um, but I mean, in the, the, the whole, now, which, whole which haircut outfit. are we talking about? The haircut when the day he announced where he had all yeah, the spikes yeah, yeah. or the, the, yeah, the long hair, the surfer vibe that he was, was like, so, so put back, he would show up in a limo with 20 people to announce where he was going to school at. And then yet over the years, Stretch we've Homer. seen. We've seen announcements that have just been like Trump that like 20 times. 
Right. But yet somehow Jimmy's still king, still king asshole. Cornelius. That I mean that so that's endearing to me because it's like he's had to deal with all this nonsense bullshit. But the fact that we watched him out there play her play with no offensive line that just olayed the shit uh, out of the guys across from them and Jimmy's getting killed or or running you know running away from all this crap. Uh, and he stayed out there. He, you never heard an utterance of a complaint um, publicly. Uh, you know, you did, I, I, there were still very few locker room issues that have come forth publicly. I mean, there's all, there's, you know, the infamous uh, Jimmy Claus and black eye. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it, that is what it is. I give him credit because he was smart he enough to put on a fucking quarters of a season. Face mask. Didn't he yeah. play three quarters? He played three quarters yeah. of a ser- season on one foot. Just like hobbling out there, and it was his best season. He was he was incredible. So yeah, Jimmy Clausen will will always be. uh, He's he's approaching Jeff Burris' status where there's no way I'm gonna be able to talk about it because I feel like I have to carry the torch for what was most likely the best quarterback we've ever had and may ever have again. As far as a pure passing quarterback with incredible touch, with a great arm strength, and with the knowledge of the game. I mean, Jimmy Clausen was a top tier quarterback in a bad had that had terrible timing uh as far as like his place in line at Notre Dame. Uh so get yeah, that aside. And then the next one, I mean, I could have gone full back route. And I guess in spirit it is. But I mean Quentin I Nelson. Because oh, Quentin Quint Nelson, Nelson made Yeah. I mean it's a the left tackle gets so much love, especially come draft time. Everyone's talking about left tackle, left tackle, left tackle. Quentin Nelson has single-handedly made guard sexy, sexy. as fuck. <laughs> yeah, just absolutely brutally sexy. Like, like this, like this is the this is the curvy this is the curvy sexy bitch. And maybe I should say, <laughs> he's a, he's amazing, man. Go back, go back and watch. Let's not go back and watch. It's like during the season, during the 2017 season, watching Sunday mornings and Saturday nights, Sunday mornings, and analysts like putting together these these highlight clips of a guard, of a guard, is was just it was one of the most fun things you could you could do. It was like yeah, watch this guy maul people, watch him go against uh, what's going to be a good NFL linebacker. And just maul him 10, 15 yards and then teabag his ass. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible. He's about so, as tough as they get. There's also, there's also some stories about him uh, and his time at Notre Dame, like, you know, in the, in the locker room and all that, as far as just the bad assery of it all. And it's fantastic. So, I mean, I, he's a legend will be a legend forever. So Logan Gilman had a Instagram story the other day. And I think the question was the post to him was like, what was your, what was your, you know, biggest on field mistake or something, something along those lines or whatever. Like what, what, you know, what guy would you never want to face again or something? And he mentioned Quentin Nelson. Right. And he said basically that, uh, he was on the practice squad. So it must've been the year that he was, um, Sitting sitting out. Right. He was on the practice squad and Nelson trucked one of his dudes and he decided to start some, some shit with Nelson and he said Nelson just held him and he said hello he goes I wasn't landing anything because his arm was so long he had me away from him and so strong that I was trying to push you know I was trying to push and get at him or whatever and he just said calmly to me dude it's okay you don't want to do this <laughs> 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 and Eloise was like 
He's like, I, he's like, I was standing up for my brother, but he's like, I realized it was, it was pointless because I pointless. was not, I was not going to move this man, you know? So he had a similar story with this thing that the, uh, the chargers did, uh, the San Diego chargers, uh, on this broadcast, uh, did, uh, you know, with the Notre Dame guys, when he talked about Nelson, but it was more like, like when he showed up on campus and there's Nelson and he's just like, you, that's the guy. <laughs> like, like you wanted Nelson pointed out that you're the guy who fucked them all up uh, <laughs> you know, just, just recently I, in the game before. We talk about this a lot. We talk about this from time to time. Who's the first guy you want off the bus? You know, sort of the what we, you call the most intimidating person. Like, who's the person's like, oh, we messed with the wrong team. You know, like Quentin Nelson was is forever that guy, I think. So yeah, it's Eric. The Eric the yeah. Yeah. Eric, the uh, garage door with arms is yep. the is the term that Eric Hansen first used that I'll never get out of my head because it's the most, he is the widest upper body. Uh, it's, he's sick, man. He's, uh, he, he has that, he has that V shape to him. He's that superhero, like V shape to him. It's like a Madden character, not a Madden. It's an NFL blitz character where they're like shaped like a T. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess my, here's something I think is curious. Um, do you, does Josh love the state of Ohio? That <laughs> one Ohio player on that list. South Carolina, California, New Jersey. Does Josh love fullbacks? Not a single fullback or Ohioan on this top three list. What is happening? Again, again I am in a narrow it down to three. But the, the thing, too, is like that's how important that's how important these play. Those three players in particular are to me. Uh, within the, the scope of Notre Dame. I mean, Jeff Burris, again, childhood, you know, legend to me, you know, like your, your idol uh, as a player, uh, Jimmy Clausen, like, and like the debate is Jimmy Clausen or, or an, an Ohio quarterback who had, who, who did pretty well at Notre Dame too. And I've always gravitated more towards Clausen. And so, I mean, I, that should mean something like my, my whole state bias goes out the window uh, my positional bias goes out the window on this. So, well, it's tough too because Brady Quinn gets so much love from so many people, and and and, and I think deservedly so. It's just I I don't feel the need to defend Brady Quinn ever. You know, it's just like there's plenty of people out there who are willing to do that for free. You know, I've I have as many defenses for Brady Quinn as he does wins against top twenty five teams. Which means there's a few. There's a few. Beat nine and four Penn State. Wow. All right. A uh, lot of good players that did, never got mentioned. Didn't even get a sniff in our top three. Isn't that funny? Yeah. <clears throat> they, they have been and will be mentioned in future broadcasts. Tommy Zibikowski, sure. I mean, I mean, Tommy Zibikowski might have been in my top three. If I was the size three. I mean, no. we didn't name oh, we didn't name a like a Stonebreaker or Zorich or anybody from the oh. you know Lee Beckton. Yeah. yeah. I mean Mark Edwards. Mark Edwards. Yeah. Mark Edwards, I thought would have for sure been one Josh put on the map. I mean people are Reggie like Joe. Jer- I mean Jerome Bet Jerome always is like the last one that comes to mind because yeah. he transcended Notre Dame <laughs> with his professional career. But you almost forget that he played at Notre Dame. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's just yeah. like, like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I'm going to go back and amend that. Well, that's a great, one of the reasons why 
is because the backfield, the backfield that Jerome Bettis was a part of, of Reggie Brooks, Jerome Bettis, and Lee Becton was ridiculous. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And the way, I mean, the way they used them. Yeah, it was. It was, that, was like, that was the game plan. Yeah, and even like Rodney Culver too, in in '91, it was just their backfield in, the, in, that. in that in that era were just absolutely redonkulous of just like everybody touching the ball and everyone being effective doing so. Yeah. Josh, the, Josh the, string of full, the string of fullbacks alone was incredible. Josh yeah. didn't name any single digit linebackers who wore cut off uh, jerseys. Oh either, yeah. I don't believe. That's Nobody a big thing. Yeah. You know, Tatum, Tatum, Cobbins, Cobbins, yeah. I mean, you still got to throw in a Jimmy Friday and a Burt Berry in D, there, too. D. Cooper. <laughs> I mean, Demetrius oh. the Bose. Bless uh, you, champs. I mean, there are, <laughs> there are so many there are so many guys for one reason or the other that, that you gravitate towards. Uh, and like I, and that's why I joked. I'm like, I, I got like, what, 20, 50 of them. Uh, so a top three, that's a, I mean, that's a solid top three, from, I, I would think. But um, – God, you could I could we could have plugged in so many different guys and it, I mean Jeff Marsh is probably in a lot of people's top threes. Did, yeah, you know, probably, Derek yeah. Mays, like I lots mean, of wide receivers didn't I mean, make the cut. Ian, I mean Ian fucking book. Yeah, he's <laughs> got more wins than any Notre Dame quarterback in history. I mean, yeah. there's there's still pining no over KJ Stefferson too. So it, you you can get the bad boys. The bad boys get their, uh, their turn too. I mean. The, the one bad boy, perceived bad boy, that should have been on my top three, uh, but I just I could not not have Nelson in there. But that's Ricky Waters. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> one of the one of the greatest athlete, pure athletes to ever uh, play football in Notre Dame. I mean, my and and he, he's one of those guys I always feel like I'm defending because Notre Dame fans will trash him for you know, whatever you know his attitude, blah blah blah. Fuck you. Uh, you go out there and do that. Uh, you know, you have the balls to walk around your dorm room butt ass naked because you're cut. Guy. <laughs> those are my I, those are my favorite story. Anytime I bring up Waters, I I love the old uh, the guys that you know live with Waters in the dorms talking about Waters never wearing any clothes on and shit. Like I I I wouldn't either. Why would you? What purpose do clothes serve uh, when you are cut out of granite? Yeah, the other thing I was thinking, too, was, it, you know, my professional team, as you guys may know, is New York Giants. And if I were to name my favorite New York Giant growing up, it was probably Mark Bavaro, uh, who also had a, you know, Notre Dame career. But that's really just before my time. You know, Bavaro as a Giant was in my wheelhouse. But Bavaro as a Notre Dame thing is just not a thing that I really understand. You know, there's also no Fort Wayne guys on my list either, Brendan. I mean, we could have no. Tyler Eifert, could have had Jalen Smith, could have had Smith? Johnny Goodman. Could have had Johnny Goodman. Could have. No love for Theo Riddick and other guys like that. Yeah, all sorts. I mean, there's all sorts of. It's it. We've had. We have been blessed, uh, despite what message boards have been reporting. Uh, <laughs> had a lot of players come through the doors, uh, and a lot of guys that I'm. As a fan, you can be proud of that they played at Notre Dame. Uh, all right, move up. The last review, now that we're hour deep in. Oh, wow. We're, yeah. we're still in reviews. <laughs> are, we, are we an hour deep in? Well, we're 47 minutes in, so that ain't too bad. Uh, that's all right. This, I mean, that fits the show tonight. That fits the show tonight. Uh, 
Uh, Steve, 80, <laughs> Steve's 82. Great fun. Listen, adding to my previous review, still great and fun to listen. I enjoy the fact that they go on and on and on and on <laughs> for two to three hours and argue like friends do. I recently found some home run in pizza in the freezer section. Not easy to find in Orange County, California. And while I don't dabble in frozen pizza too much, this was really good. Got to give you that one, Josh. Yeah. Also, can't believe we didn't see any T formation this past year. Defenses wouldn't know what to do with it for a player or two. Keep it up, guys. P.S. Lay off Mike Tirico. I think he's doing great. Dude, ND, Sunday Night NFL at golf. I never want Tom Hammond back. Uh, well, kudos to you for your palate enlightenment of the home run in. Um, I mean, I'm not, I don't think I lay on Tirico, right? I think he I just, he's just not my cup of tea. He's not my cup of tea. I, I, I'm very respectful in what I, way I speak about Tirico. I mean, just, I no, mean, he's boring, disrespectful. Like he, he bores me, but he's professional. I mean, he's very professional, does a great job, does a fantastic job, but he's just not my cup of tea. You're looking for more of like the, like a professional like, wrestling like announcer. A, like a Gus. Yes. Yeah. Like a Gus. Yeah, like Gus Johnson. But yeah, I mean, if you would have put uh, uh, Jerry Lawler, uh, <laughs> You know, and all that other. Why not? I mean, let's. Didn't they do that you for the XFL con- right off the jump, anyways? You would be content with a Gus Johnson, Pat McAfee booth where it's just oh like all oh hype all the time. I don't think I would ever go watch a game in person if I could get get that in the booth. What oh, would those be two in there? Because McAfee is an absolute joy if you were a fan of doing, like hype. I'd have to start a whole new site just to like review those two performances every week <laughs> and they would feed off each other. It would be, it would be electric. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, Gus is a little guy and I could see Pat, like really like maybe throwing a base against the wall to laugh about it. And Gus getting maybe, maybe a little scared. Like maybe I should be next to this deranged lunatic. I don't know. I, I, I see. I mean, McAfee's always swinging that fucking golf club around on a show, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure if you can tangle him back in the booth anymore. I mean, isn't he? How, how many? Is it just the Thursday night games that he does? Yeah, he does. Well, for college football, he did the, the Thursday night games. But he didn't do any of this last year, though, right? Because of COVID? So he didn't go on the road? Uh, no, he didn't do any uh, this year. He did. He's done some NFL games, too. He he actually had one of the more memorable NFL calls that I've ever seen when uh, the lot the Detroit Lions faked a punt and as a former punter himself uh, or was it a fake field goal I don't know it was it was a fake kick and he lost his mind because they scored a touchdown on it it was hilarious as he should it's a it's a magical moment Ugh. yeah I was disappointed about the T format. I mean, Brennan and I made a a very uh, strong – we presented a very strong case to use the T-formation, um, you know, citing, uh, you know, citing history with Frank Leahy over the, over the summer. Uh, and it seemed to have really touched, um, you know, Lance. I mean, he's seen it. He knows what's going on. He liked it. Uh, so we thought maybe you might uh, might have seen just a wee bit. 
Maybe because um, of COVID, they didn't have enough time to do a proper install. Yeah, short in practice. They didn't have enough time to do a full install. Maybe we see it this year. So we we do a campaign campaign the T round two. I mean, we I don't see why we don't. We can add some new wrinkles in there. <sighs> yeah, I tell you what, that sounds more fun than watching North Carolina. Uh, beat the shit out of their name right now. <laughs> 92-49 on my screen right now. Oh my god! Whoa. Way to end the season. Yeah, that's not good. Sending Jack Nolan out with a bang. Oh no! Check that. Make that ninety-four forty-nine because uh, ninety-six forty-nine. Oh it's so bad. Yeah, it's it's it not so great. Bad. Yikes! Ah. <laughs> 50 point, 50 spot, doubling up the score, baby. <laughs> it was 50 to 36 at half. That's crazy. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Jay Billis during the first half, he was like, uh, you know, Lee's not safe in Notre Dame. They can really go on a run. But that's the other thing about Notre Dame is uh, Notre Dame basketball over the last three years. They can also not their run for seven minutes. Negative. Yeah. There are integers to this shit. <laughs> uh, well, moving on, we're to what we're here for tonight. Some talk a little bit more about Notre Dame football, uh, the spring. Uh, but just real quick, Notre Dame did get a couple of commitments recently. Uh, quarterback Steve Angeli and wide receiver. Uh, oh my God, is it Omarion? Did, is there wasn't there a singer Omarion? So there's people yeah. with an O, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But this one's a, it starts with an A, A Marion Walker, uh, kid out of Louisiana. I mean, these they, they aren't the wow kind of commits that uh, Notre Dame fans are like desperately like begging for. Uh, but I mean, I actually ha- came around to the Angeli uh, commitment uh, pretty good. I mean, I, I really like to state. Did you uh, know I he was – People are calling him a taller version of Ian Book, and I'm like, that's fine with me. <laughs> I'll take the taller version of Ian Book. Did you know he was Brandon Wimbush's ball boy? I'm sure we're, we will never hear that factoid um, during his Notre Dame career, right? Well, I mean, Tom Hammond isn't employed uh, as a Notre Dame <laughs> and Pat And Pat Hayden isn't either. Because uh, you were so, you're talking about like years worth. Oh every- yeah. The, the one thing I will say, um, no, Marion Walker, he uh, he doesn't he doesn't have a forty time right, and sort of the scuttle no, on him is wheels. that yeah he's got wheels and he doesn't have a forty time and he kind of had a uh, his COVID shortened season was even shortened more because of an injury, so. Right. But watching know. him, watching watching his film, he can move. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he can fly, and I like the fact that he, you know, plays defense. He's pretty aggressive. He's a physical. He more for for being the bean pole that he is at six three one seventy eight. He's pretty aggressive. Uh, it, it's not terrible. Dell might let you play by the time you're a junior. <laughs> <laughs> it's maybe it's and good is don't have one of the, tonight. And is one of the three wide receivers that we will take this class because you can't possibly take more than three. 
Which um, is the, I was bitching about that to Greg today. It is the and he bitches about it all the time, but it is the dumbest thing that they have going. Their their little mini rule about three in a class, as if if you can't take what's how you can't take four and what if it's maybe it's six and two cycles. Maybe that should be the thing. Take four because if what you just gonna turn away top talent if you can get them. No, what's you that? sign a wide receiver. You sign a wide receiver, and you know what. Maybe that season he plays um, in your secondary for your national championship appearance team, right? You can you can move wide receivers around. I I, I don't get it. None of it makes I mean none of it makes a whole lot of sense. I mean it's some of the philosophies are that Notre Dame has been employing recruiting wise have um, are actually pretty smart, uh, and then there's some that it's like I don't understand this at all. I did. I, why is this a thing? Why is this? Why was this brought up in the meeting? <laughs> why? Why? Why was this not laughed out of the room uh, when discussed? Because it doesn't make sense. Like talent is talent, whether it's four one year and two the next. I, I don't get it. And for and what I listed in the, uh, in the commitment article about Walker, come 2023, Notre Dame's there, there's a they're losing a lot of guys after uh, after 22. And probably before that, but just for what they have now on their <clears throat> uh, on the scholarship eligibility chart, there's there's a lot of guys heading out the door. And what what would be the what would be the I can think of worse things than signing seven wide receivers in two classes. Yeah, would especially when else, a lot of those players play multiple <clears throat> positions, like wide receivers. Well, everything else looks play. pretty pretty healthy. I mean, you're you're not like it's not like a, a, a Ty Willingham class where you're, you know, or you know when you're just dying at one position. They're looking, they're really looking pretty even across the board about what they need. I mean, shit, they signed two quarterbacks just to like make yeah. up for what might happen. You know what I mean? It's, I don't know, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but I am, I am really curious to see some of these guys what they do their senior years, Walker in particular and jelly, another one um, to, to see what they do. Uh, and you know, if they can improve the ranking, I like Angeli talking about, I think he was talking about that with Tyler and Eric. He's not out there chasing stars. He didn't really give a shit about that, which is great. Except for, uh, you know, someone in PR is going to tell him, <laughs> tell him differently. Like stars are what make, stars are what make it. <laughs> they'll, they'll make sure to, to talk about you more, but um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like what they're doing right now. There's a lot of smoke. And Jude, I think you point this out like here and there is like, we're not sure if like, if it's, if Notre Dame is just doing so things so differently right now with Marcus Freeman, but like every offer is like, it feels like a win. Like in a way, like, people are taking like offers as a win. Uh, I just don't know if that's the right way to be looking at recruiting right now, uh, because we see this a lot in the spring too, where everyone gets their hopes up. Cause there's recruits are not going to talk shit about you. If you get an author that can be like, eh, I'm not really thinking about them. You know, they're like, Oh, they're saying such good things. That, that's what happens all the time. Right. Which is a, which is a strength of people again, not to beat this dead horse, but a strength of people like Carter Carl's to kind of get through that whole the, the double talk of like you call a guy about his offer and he's like, Oh, it's just such a blessing. And Notre Dame's such a prestigious program and stuff. You really need to get past that whole point and get to the point where you're just like, okay, 
is this the right fit for the dude? Like, is he actually even thinking about this or is he just playing up the fact that he got an offer from Notre Dame, which has been a playoff team in the last three years? You know, like, what's the legitimacy here? The only other point I wanted to make was um, in the discussion that you just had was I just feel like there's not enough ruthlessness. And I I don't know if this is a a character trait of of Brian Kelly that he's kind of like, I I think the the hit on him is he's been like loyal to his guys or whatever. But like, I just, if your guys are not recruiting, um, you can't go, you can't miss, you know, uh, you can't miss a couple years in a row. Like you need to jettison people who are not doing their job. And I I just, I I, I just can't like, it just you can't continue to fall behind and just say, oh, we'll make it up in the transfer market or we'll we'll get lucky with the with the next year or whatever. I just I don't get people that that don't take this, you know, seriously. If it, it if you try and fail, that's one thing. But if you're not trying, then I just I don't I don't even like what are you doing there? Because I don't care how good you coach on the field. If you don't have the t- if you didn't bring in the talent, then there's nothing. What are we doing? You know, and, and I, I've talked about this before, which is. You know, the game against Alabama was lost before they even played the game because it was lost. It's a recruiting thing. You got to have the guys at the skill positions to be able to, to go up against Alabama. And they didn't and they didn't have that. So then you're just asking for a huge confluence of events where you just get lucky and nobody wants to watch that game. You know, we want to watch Notre Dame putting its best effort out there in terms of wide receiver recruiting or quarterback recruiting or whatever, you know, and just stop with this whole, like, well, you know, the, the wide receivers seem to gravitate towards him or, you know, he's, he's got the QB room in order or, or, you know, like, I, I, I don't know this whole polling thing. Like that's, that's a demotion. Like, as far as I'm concerned, like you get taken your recruiting job taken away from you. Like that's not, you can spin it any way you want associate head coach or whatever, but that's, I think that's Brian Kelly saying you're not getting the job done. So I'm concerned about that as well. Yeah, and I, I do want, I do want to address one small thing about the, maybe it's a big thing about the quarterback situation. We're not, you know, there was a lot of heat put out there about Notre Dame not getting, uh, you know, Ty Simpson, who was never going to come to Notre Dame. He was going to go to either Clemson or Alabama. There was, yeah, no fucking chance there. But the, the, the thing about the, like Drew Aller who just a few weeks before Notre Dame had offered was still a lowly three-star and no one really gave a shit except for a few like, like highlight junkies, you know, as, but all of a sudden, you know, he gets that extra star. People are going nuts. Look, I think Angeli is a tremendous pickup for Notre Dame. Number, you know, he had some good offers, but on top of that, you're still, you're the way that you have to recruit quarterbacks. And this isn't, a situation where you are a, you know, where you're in Alabama, you have Tyler Buckner coming in. You, you're going to fill it with somebody else, right? Uh, in the next class, those quarterbacks are looking to see who was there. I mean, they know what's going on. They know the order of things. So getting like, you know, the top, top guy coming in, it wasn't, that, that, that's not an easy play. Not a whole lot of uh, places get that. You know, the, Clemson didn't stack their quarterback room after Trevor Lawrence. There's a reason because people knew they were going there to play. You know, I mean, it's it, it's a difficult situation. Um, and I thought they, they did a pretty good job. of it. I think the way that they're handling the quarterback thing right now is is tremendous. I, 
I keep meaning to put out this Ron Ballas article. Uh, I'm sure it'll get done maybe by Thursday. But, you know, I thought signing Ron Ballas was a was a really great thing for Notre Dame. And not to not to spoil the article, but I just think of what's going to happen in the future. Maybe having a guy who's a fourth or fifth year guy who's not going anywhere being around in case some of these guys don't pan out or, or bolt because guys are going to leave guys are going to transfer and then you're going to have casting him as you're here. You are casting. I'm casting him as a better version of Gary Gotze. No, you're casting him as Stuart McDougal, right? You're, you're casting him as the guy who his father um, was going to, to take (laughs) job from and then because McDougal was on the roster, 93 happened, you know, because because of the, the shoulder thing with with uh, Ronnie Sr. Right. So you're 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 looking for the inverse of Paulus to happen, where instead of being highly heralded, um, he's less I heralded. Mean, the son comes in. I just think it's not a bad thing when you're, you know, with your guy who's floating around your third string quarterback for a couple of years, just, you know, just roughly. Uh, is is a scholarship quarterback who's sticking around. Like I don't know. There's there's been time there's been times where I would you would have rather have not had Pat Dillingham at quarterback when he was correct, or when Gary Gotze had a, had a student back up at quarterback. I mean, there's yeah. just there's, this shit happens. I mean, this stuff happens, and maybe it shouldn't. Maybe Notre Dame's at the level where that this shouldn't be a thing, but get that's how this isn't a thing. You know what I mean? That's how this becomes not a, make that not a thing. Uh, is by doing it correctly, and so you know, getting Jack Cohen into transfer this year, uh, it, I, I think the way they're trying to get the quarterback room set up uh, is pretty smart. Um, and you know, it still leaves a whole lot of of, uh, of question marks, certainly, and you know, a lot of things that you're gonna have to find out over the over the next year or two. Uh, but you're at least you're setting yourself up for as much success as possible. But no, they were not going to go sign a five-star quarterback after getting Tyler Buck. I, I just I don't I don't see how that was even a, a how anyone could be reasonable and think that. So I just want to add something tangentially related to this conversation, which is anybody who says, "Oh, we should just let Tyler Buckner play and call this season a wash and just get them experience for next year and it's all building to 2022," should go back and watch the 2003 football season, which I'm currently doing. Um, that is, it's painful. And so what, what happened as a, as a reminder is Carl allow, they was just not getting the the job done. And so they bring in Brady Quinn and they're not protecting him. And Brady Quinn is not Brady, the Brady Quinn that you remember from the 2005 and 2006 season. He's wildly inaccurate. He's making all sorts of mistakes and he's also getting punished. He's getting brutalized. I mean, he got hit Brutal. so many times in that per, that Purdue game. And this is, I just, this I'm is the offense that this is the offense from, that was in 2002 didn't score a touchdown for like the first six weeks, right? This is, yeah. I mean, this is also so the you, offense that if, probably had the best version of Julius Jones. Yeah, you know what I mean? if you think to yourself like, oh, I actually want to watch this. Go watch 2003 and tell me if you think that's watchable because I don't think it's watchable. And you could say to yourself, oh, they got a better offensive line and there's more weapons. And yeah, you could oh, explain no. away a bunch of things. But at the same time, like you're going to, if you're going to watch it, if you're going to throw a kid in there who's not ready to be thrown in, it's not 
it, that's not helping. In fact, you he, might get him killed. You know, I have very bad memories of that Michigan game from that that season. Oh my god, I watched that recently, and I'm currently watching Florida State, and it's just you're just why, why? So uh, I got home Sunday uh, from like I said, we went snow tubing uh, with some with some friends. I got home Sunday, but I, it was like three four o'clock in the afternoon. And just kind of like, man, I don't feel like doing anything. I just want to like relax, lay here, and like take a nap. But I'm not a very good napper. Like that just doesn't come naturally to me. So I put on the 2003 Notre Dame Navy game. Uh, I was out before the middle of the first quarter. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> but we ended up. Uh, we ended up. I woke up maybe halfway through the third. Uh, I mean, we, then, have, uh, we have the student body is, mock cheering. terrible. We have the student body mock cheering first downs because there were so few first downs that were committed in the Florida State game. They got their second first down in the third quarter of that game. Sounds right. <laughs> it was it was a hell of revenge for Florida State for the year prior. Yeah, yeah. They 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 came to South Bend and just did them in, did them in. But yeah, so you're absolutely again, right. I, 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 and I feel like a lot of people that we talk to and listen to this podcast have been fans since 2003. You know, I don't feel like that was that long ago. So if you want to see what it looks like, possibly with a Tyler Buckner or a Brendan, you know, just throwing guys in the fire and saying, hey, let's 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 get him. Let's get him. Let's get him. Uh, I, I would like to I would like to point out. That it is not in, and I've I know there's certain publications that have said this could be like a 2016 or it could be like a 2007. There's some similarities. The 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 state of the program now is in such a place where even if Tyler Buckner went in at bare minimum eight and four, it, it wouldn't be yes. where yeah, you get bones, blanked the bones out. The programmers are stronger. The, the bones for sure. are so much stronger. It, yeah. It's not like you'll get blanked yes. by a Florida State or a Michigan. Um, I, and I, just, I, I am just so proud that Jude has come around this way because this was not your line of thinking just a couple of years ago. This, uh, this wasn't. You I, were I willing want, to. I want to look. My wife will tell you otherwise, but I, I'm, I'm a guy that can, came I, I can listen to a good argument and be convinced and change my mind. I think it's I think it's possible. And you're also scared of losing, which is good. <laughs> because <laughs> losing sucks. So you should try it's to win as not, many games as possible. It's, it's not. It's taking me several days to chart this damn Florida State game because I just I can't watch Omar Jenkins drop another freaking pass. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> How, oh, his mother is going to be so proud. <laughs> what's the drop count at? Too many. <laughs> I mean, that actually, it's a it's a real it's a real problem in the in the 2003 season. Is just like I don't I don't know if it's they're not used to Quinn, you know, and he's throwing it pretty hard because he's 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 air mailing on a couple of people. But I mean, McKnight had the problem, and Stovall has the problem, and Jenkins Stovall is the, the, is the problem, worst man. problem, and Fasano drops a couple, and it's just. It's just so brutal maybe to maybe watch. Maybe it's the ball Brady Quinn throws. <laughs> well, I, maybe, I it's did, the, maybe it's the I did uh, duck gif, spot. I did gif of one of them where, like, he – I don't know what happened with you the ball. He was holding it too hard or something, but it, like, came out, like, sideways and rotating weird in Purdue, and he almost got it, he almost got it picked off. It was a – it was a 
a pass that we think might have been intended for Jeff Samarja, but it's hard to say because there was two guys in the area. And it just sort of like it was one of those. You ever see a guy throw a bass and then immediately start running after it? It's almost like a golfer hits a shot and starts like walking towards it, you know, because he's like trying to convince it to go back the other way. Like, oh, I want that back. You know, that was sort of like whatever came out of Brady Quinn's hand that day. So. So, so you mean like the pass he threw to Matt Shelton against Stanford? I don't remember. Yeah, that got one. there yet? It no. was it was just a bomb. It was just a bomb that he threw, and, yeah, and uh, was, Shelton I, ran underneath it. It was what yeah. got me excited for the future of Brady Quinn. Gotcha. And Matt Shelton. I was gonna say Matt Shelton. I, that was fun. Catching I, bombs. I did watch a fair amount of 2000. I guess it was five with Matt Where Shelton. Yeah, I think it was four was when he was just like – the, the, the like, kid just the play, caught bomb. The play was like run 30 yards on a post and Matt Shelton will be there. You know? Yeah, he had, a, he had a game against Michigan State drunk, like that. I remember yeah. a drunk Mike Frank on Power Hour going <laughs> pitching about the receivers and saying, shit, just give me a fucking Matt Shelton. Like, <laughs> I get it. Just get another one of those. But listen, like, why is Brady Quinn in the talk of uh, great Notre Dame quarterbacks? I mean, I don't know why I don't think about this before, but I mean, the dude lost his first two games again. He's two and two against Purdue. How, how is that? Scary Godsey's record as a starter. What's Scary Godsey's record as a quarterback against Purdue? Want to know, baby? Undefeated. <laughs> Undefeated, baby. All right. I think we just confirmed it. God see greater than Quinn. All right. Next time. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, Paulus has got a loss. To yeah. Produce, so. Yeah. Uh, like Jarius Jackson has a loss to him. I don't think um, Lou Holtz Klaus ever lost to one, Purdue. Had a loss. He didn't. He didn't. So Matt. Rick Myers. Eighty-six. From 86 to 96, uh, I don't – what was the streak against SC? Was it – 90 or 2000 and – 2002, 2003 to no, I'm, 2010. I'm talking about Holtz's streak, Holtz's streak against SC. Oh, he had a tie. Like – I grew up not knowing right. that so, I mean, you losing could, you to could do the, uh, I didn't um, think – something that people did. I mean, there was a moment. There was there was a there's a stretch of time, but yes, I mean it was just that's right. From '83 to to '95, Notre Dame didn't lose to SC. They tied in '94. Um, question, Josh. Who started the 2007 Notre Dame Purdue game? Oh, I know. I believe I believe Evan Sharpley did, didn't he? Was it Evan Sharpley? No, or did Evan it was Sharpley Jimmy. Relief? So Jimmy did, did have Jimmy, an out. Jimmy, Evan, the games that Evan Sharpley no, no, started I, no, were the I ones. Said that. So, so Jimmy did go two and one against or er, Purdue. Yes, but because yes, I, I, I did say Jimmy, I did say that Jimmy had a loss against to Purdue. Okay. Yeah, you know, yeah, another close game against Purdue too. Yeah, Evan starts in 2007 were the ones where Jimmy was hurt, USC and Navy. Yeah. Running the options. Yeah, Evan was the uh, was the Tommy Reese to Golson kind of, you know what I mean? The, yeah. the relief. 
Uh, that, and that was, uh, I mean, that, that whole dynamic that year was. I feel like incredible. he was more like the Nate what, Montana to uh, Dean Chris. Well, but, okay. listen, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of I motherfuckers think it's out there. more like the talk. stuntman when the actor is getting killed and they needed to bring something. <laughs> Whoever the fill-in was for Bruce Lee in Game of Death after Bruce Lee died and they had to get like a body double. There's been a lot of people. And even recently, like still like butthurt over Phil, Phil uh, Jerkovic leaving for BC and acting like Phil should have started over Ian this last season. No shit. Oh. And then it's just like, Ooh. do we not remember the, the 2007 season? Yes, our yeah. bones are stronger for sure. But the one of the biggest problems from that year was the entire way Weiss dealt with the quarterback situation at Notre Dame between Demetrius Jones, Evan Sharpley, and Jimmy Clausen, and oh by the way, uh, Zach Frazier, who who was undefeated against Notre Dame. Yeah, who was undefeated against Notre Dame. It, it was a, it was a fucking mess. It was a giant mess because it it caused division in the locker room that wasn't there before, and there was a I mean there's a whole lot of a whole lot of hate for Jimmy from the upperclassmen because they all felt a lot of them have felt that Evan Sharpley should have been the guy. Uh, you know, then there was another group that Frazier. thought Demetrius Jones should have been the guy. I'm not sure if, I mean, maybe Zach's mom thought Zach should serve. Maybe it should have been Zach Frazier all along. He is the one that's undefeated against Notre Dame. Can, so, so let's pivot this to, a, to the spring. Cause there's going to be a quarterback battle coming up this spring, you're going to have Buckner. Um, you're going to have Clark Pine as the, the two guys who have actually taken snaps as Notre Dame quarterbacks. And then you're going to have Cone come in. I think it's cute. They call it a battle. It's going to be a battle. I mean, a battle for maybe who's the backup, but Jack Cone is going to be the starting quarterback. No, no, I mean, question. It's, it's, no question. We could say that, but I, I think that it's disingenuous to not call it a quarterback battle because you do have two guys who have been in the system, and in Brennan Clark's in case, he's been in the Brennan, system for two years. Well, Brennan Clark's not going to be able to go. He's not, yeah, but he's, he's not going to be able to go. He's not going to be ready to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. He is injured. I don't – yeah. Drew Pine's the only Drew one Park. who's taking a snap. And I'm not Drew sure. Drew Pine's the only one coming back. Five foot seven Drew Pine is is gonna. Yeah, know. I don't think there's much. I mean, you're looking at a battle between um, Buckner and Pine, basically, and Paulus, because Paulus is on is is there too. Uh, you know, basically for who's number two right now. I mean, Jack Cohen is going to be your starter. I I don't think that you know I don't think there's any way around that, and that's fine. I mean, I'm I'm completely. And I'm not saying Jack Cohn's going to go out and become an All-American this season, but I'm absolutely fine with him being a quarterback this year. It, it shows that Notre Dame's not just like playing fuck around here. They're one to win some football. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're not. I mean, they're not playing this stupid. Well, let's just throw them to the wolves thing, which look, it doesn't really. Trevor Lawrence wasn't even the starting quarterback of day one at Clemson. All right. He just started. Brian. He started the fourth game. Yeah, he so, started the fourth game. Right. Yep. Maybe that happens. You know, may, listen, maybe Buckner is as transcendent as we all hope he is. And maybe there's something along the way that, you know, that kind of happens 
where he steps in and then takes over. I'm not saying it can't happen. I don't, I don't really think it will, but I'm, I'm just saying it's like they, these expectations of people like just throw them to the wolves. That doesn't work out usually that just that is and not for a, a program that is a a program that goes to playoff the playoffs maybe for someone who's competing to um you know place third in the big 10 east uh you know yeah. i could yeah. see that being a thing but that's not that's not what notre dame's doing right now so you know they're trying to win football games that that's not the you know the their biggest issues this spring are going to be trying to find a cohesive offensive line because they're going to try to move some parts around. They're going to try to put Jarrett Patterson. They will put Jarrett Patterson back out to left tackle. You're going to have Zeke Carell take over at center, which we've already seen Zeke before. I think, you know, you think he played pretty well. Uh, and, you know, you're going to have uh, Josh Lug finally take over a starting spot at right tackle. Right. Tackle. The big, so your big battle is inside. Who's going to be your guards? Gibbons and Dirksen and- probably to start. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Uh, possibly, um, you know, I mean, you, you're not going to yeah. start with, you're not going to start with, um, Rocco on the inside day one of spring camp. No, no, he's not going to, no, he's going to have to earn his way up into right. any, any type of So it's probably going to be I, Gibbons and Dirksen on the, on it, it, the guard spots, right? To day one, if we're talking day one, spring, spring football. Gibbons. Yes. Dirksen, I don't, I don't know if that's day who are you, one. Who are you going to start? Who are you going to start at right guard then? I, I mean, I think save. Tosh Baker could be a guy. Yeah, I think yeah. Quinn Carroll could be a guy. I, I think. I mean, uh, that's the thing. Do they want? Do they want guys. Quinn Carroll? Do they want even Quinn Carroll at tackle, or, or do they? Are they not concerned with moving players around on the line? Because I think Quinn Carroll think eventually. I think best five is always the case. Okay. Uh, or at least it has been since really since he stand got there. Right. Yeah. It's been best five. And we'll figure, we'll figure this out. Well, this the way, is the which first season really- of uh, Jeff Quinn. I'm not sure if you, you heard uh, of the Jeff oh, Quinn era. Yeah. yeah. The first, the first season, although he's been the, wait, how does that, <laughs> how, how does that work? Well, because this is the first year. I mean, that, this changes uh, everything. This changes everything about Brian Kelly. This changes everything for me about Brian Kelly. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so, I, 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 I get that you guys are doing a bit, but I, I actually don't understand the argument here. Why is this the um, first season? So the, ar- the, arg- oh, the argument tell is, him. Tell him, is this is the first year that a Harry Heastan coached player isn't on the offensive line and isn't on the offensive line staff. Um, Cause Chris oh Watt was, God. so uh, is what third year? This is a certain uh, orders. Uh, this uh, is tor- This is torturing yourself to get into something that is it, not there. It's just not acknowledging that right. that Jeff Quinn was this, was the right hire because he was. I, I think at this point, what three years in, we can all admit that Still Jeff Quinn. I think that he's not. 
was the right hire. It was the right hire. And the, the offensive line has the results are there. They, they sure have. He's out recruit. He, he's out recruited. He's Dan in terms of yep. like high, high, the, the, the higher ranked guys and yep. they performed just as well. I mean, they've, they've done a real, I mean, it they were in the hunt Joe, for, um, for the Joe Moore award last year. I mean, Joe Moore runner Alabama up. only Alabama yeah, was better. Yeah. Which I think we, yeah, and they earned the hell out of that. Cause that offensive yeah. line was incredible. You can't just because they didn't win the Joe Moore award last year. That's <laughs> immediate discount. What he did. That was a, that's a, that was a really good offensive line. One of the best in college football. So that was, so he didn't coach him early. No, I guess, I guess not. But I mean, it's, it's okay. the silly, it, it really is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life is for someone who even calls himself a reporter Bring up that. That's the dumbest. I've come up with a shitload of like funny, fun scenarios. That's the well, fucking dumbest thing. And, I've and to, my be life. Un, to be uncharitable, like it sounds like you're laying the great the groundwork for some sort of see. I told you so. If the offensive line has a reversion to the with, mean this year, which right, is on a big transition year, on yeah, a big transition say, year, which is which is, feels like it would happen. Five players right? playing a different. Because yeah. the certain people, it's just it's more important to make an argument that you can say you're right in than actually be right about something. So my question in terms of um, the offensive, or I guess the spring then, because we're we're into it now, right? Um, so do you guys think that there's no a Notre bigger Dame battle coach, inside? Hold on, hold on. No Notre Dame coach actually won that first national championship. You know, the Notre Dame wins a national championship and these, these coaches win in their third season. Yeah. Holtz didn't do it. Holtz didn't win a national championship in 88. It wasn't him. Must oh, have been those, were Faust. Faust. those were Faust guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, a yeah. Faust championship. Yeah. Uh, Eric gotcha. didn't win it. That was Kukurik. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> come the fuck on. I've never heard anything dumber. I mean, you cannot, this cannot go by lightly. This is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my fucking life. Related to Notre Dame is this line of thinking. Stupid, dumb, fucking shit. It's dumb, idiot. To, it's when you're wrong and you want to try and contort something into making it seem like you're right. Stupid right? shit I've ever heard. I don't know. <laughs> Nothing it's, else. Right. Stupid shit I've ever heard. But it's so, a huge transition for Notre Dame. Anyways. <laughs> so do you guys think that... Yeah. So, sort of taking the inside of the line of the offensive line being a giant positional battle that's going to work itself probably out in the spring going into the fall. Is that bigger oh, in your in opinion? Or because you, Josh, you've already gone on record saying that quarterbacks settled running backs. We can all agree running back and tight end to settle. So do you think that there's bigger battles to be had on the inside of the line or out wide at wide receiver? I think the bigger battles on the line because I think there's legitimate battles going on for starting spots. Whereas I think wide receiver, it's more of like getting guy. I mean, they're almost like down to like no choice with some some of these guys. I mean, they're really, I mean, it's either going to be the good thing for Notre Dame fans is it's either going to be, well, that's not true, but mostly is it's either going to be the guys that you've been, pining for for the last couple of years or it's going to be the new guys that the other guys are going to be pining for there's no <laughs> in between <laughs> i think that the final battle lot. though 
I mean, because because we're talking about right, Jordan Johnson. right. But but it's a battle when, in which nobody really loses Kevin because Hunt. like if you said if you said to yourself like oh I didn't get Braden Lindsay but I got Jordan Johnson like I I mean that doesn't feel like it doesn't feel, like, feel like you're you're upset about that. And honestly, I don't no, think I, any, Xavier I don't think yeah. I don't think a whole lot of people care about who takes over a guard, which is a testament to what Jeff Quinn has done. I, th- right. I think most of us can trust that the best man is going to is going to step up and take it. Now maybe that is Dylan Gibbons gets a, you know wins out a spot completely. So then you move in from tackle to guard. Um, does a freshman like Rocco is he able to to rise above the rest? But we, we've seen you know we've seen freshmen play on the offensive line of Notre Dame in this in the last five years. It's not out of the question. So. But I just think a lot of people are, and I'm included in that. I'm almost fine with what I have no like big opinion about who should be inside. Like I'm just gonna I'm gonna let the coaches decide. Kind of like Clark Lee and linebackers. He, right. That's how yeah. I feel right now about winning the line. Like, all right, whatever whatever you say. Okay. It, it seems to work out just fine. <laughs> I, mean, I, I I don't know how I could argue with you. This is what you do for a living. Uh, Clark Lee had it. Did a damn fine job <clears throat> with getting the linebacker situation straightened up on the field. Well, we were all like debating it for like six months at a time, uh, and we were all like proven stupid because the the original guys that he had on his starting lineup in spring before injuries hit were the guys that started once the season came around. So, but wide receivers is going to be interesting because I mean, there's a lot of names there. I I, there's I a thought lot I, of names. Uh, I thought I. Joe you know, Wilkins every is still Davis, on the roster. Avery Davis is going to be a starter. Just letting you know, go, letting you right. know now. Avery Davis is going to be a starter. Um, yes. But then it gets interesting because Kevin Austin, Braden Lindsay, Lawrence Keyes, like how much you know, Keyes and yeah. Davis, you know, play the same position. That 2018. How much does he really get on it? Jordan Johnson, is, 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 does he step up? You, listen, does he finally step up? He's a fucking <laughs> sophomore. <laughs> what about the what about the freshmen? I mean, Kelly, Kelly and Reese brought in three dynamic freshman wide receivers. One of them from Ohio, and I I really liked uh, that Eric Hansen brought him up on their on their last episode. Um, you know, Lorenzo Styles. I mean, yeah, so yeah. Styles I mean, might. I mean, right. Styles a, is going to be in, in kick returns. So I think I think it's going to be. The intrigue involved there, and I don't, I don't see how whatever shakes out in the spring, there can't be some attrition through transfers. I mean, if you're Joe Wilkins and you you see these guys breathing down your neck, why stick? I mean, you can stick around and get your degree. Maybe he's already got it. I don't know. I don't know what his, um, you know, academic standings are at. But and for Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsay, if if or Larry Keys too. If you see these young young guns pushing you going in the spring, I, I don't know, man. I, the 2018 class and the attrition for it, especially on wide receiver, I don't think it's over. Well, I think a big a big thing here that, that is going to impact how this goes at wide receiver is the offensive philosophy that Reese is going to use this year. Yeah, we're you know are we going to are we going to are are we going to do that many tight ends all the time? You know, is that still what we're going going to put out there on the field, or are we going to spread it out a little bit more with put a little more speed bodies out there rather than big bodies? And I think that remains to be seen, honestly. 
I, I think they did what they did last year because that was the best. They gave them their best chance to win game in and game out. Absolutely. Is that going to be the same case this year? I don't know. Yeah, you don't have Trumbull this year. So that's one. I and, and that's not to say that like Takis and, um, you know, some of the other younger tight ends can't step up. But um, and that's not to say that Michael Mayer isn't is a young tight end in his own right. Um, but, yeah, you don't have that sort of reliable tight end in um, Tremble that you had before. So so maybe they're willing to take some more wide receiver heavy packages that last year that they felt Jude, more comfortable. What, Jude, what's the vibe you're kind of feeling? I mean, do you, th- do you feel that way too? You feel like there, they, there could be a, a shift in what they do offensively based off of that, you know, doing less like double, <laughs> double tight sets or, I mean, or, or do you think that they, what last year worked so well, hitting the ball off to Kyron Williams, uh, you think that's just, it's just going to be more of that. I mean, you know, the offensive and that brings in what can you do with the offensive line? You know, I mean that that made a big difference about what they did offensively last year. What they what they leaned on. Right. Maybe that isn't the case. Well, I, it's hard for me to say because I, I admittedly haven't watched any Jack Cohen stuff, so I, I don't know what Cohen can do. I, I'm always hopeful that 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 guys aren't so intransient about their schemes that they can't say what personnel do I have and does my personnel actually fit what I'm trying to accomplish right if you're trying to make Jack Cohen something that he isn't um, then what are we even doing here right we're just wasting guys we're wasting talents and wasting years so um, right I I, I mean I've seen, seen people talk about using like RPOs this year and I'm like no we used less of those last year with a guy who can run RPOs, uh, Jack Cohn is not the uh, is not the answer to that. Right. Or the and RPOs so, are not the answer to Jack Cohn. Right. And so is it – and I've seen the same thing talked about with play action, right? Which, again, I, I, I don't know what Jack Cohn's strengths are. I know he's not much of a runner. I, I certainly know that. But um, He is mobile. I, he is mobile. He's just – he's not uh, – he's not Ian Book. Right. As far as that goes, I think he's got goes. career negative yardage on on rushing, if I recall correctly, right? Yeah, he yeah. played on a bum wheel uh, his one season, um, the the most recent one. Where he moves in the he moves in the pocket pretty well. He's able to escape some pressure, but he's not uh, tuck it and go uh, for eight, eleven, fourteen yards like Ian Book did. So I, I know it's kind of a non-answer, but I think it's it's just sort of this is why we love spring practice, because any insight or clips that we get kind of understand how well the, the team is meshing. And if he's got that chemistry downfield with the receivers, obviously I want to see way more of that than the, you know, than the um, three tight end sets, I guess. Well, I love that you said I love what you just said there about what we see this spring. What we see, what clips, <laughs> because I, I, I have to be perfectly honest with everyone right now. There is, first of all, there is no schedule released for Notre Dame spring, really, except for a, a tentative date of March 24th to begin. But there has been nothing released to the press that, that we've got 
uh, no email saying here's here's the practice, here's the practice dates, and just as importantly, here are the times that can be viewed by the media. Sure. I am not sure what we're going to be able to see this spring. And mind you, like the spring game, I do believe they'll have the spring game. I think it'll be yeah. a students only allowed thing, and they'll they'll broadcast it on uh, NBCSN, and that's fine. Uh, and the spring game isn't what I base off my opinions off, anyways. It, it's it, it, you know, what what went down in practice what, in those fifteen practices. What went down? Um, I just don't know if we're going to get any of that this year. We may. Yeah, but I, I think you could read today's announcement either even, way, right? Which is today they announced that for the spring sports, um, you know, they would allow basically guests of, of student athletes and coaches as well as students to attend attend games. And as long as they abide by social distancing guidelines, masks, et cetera, et cetera, uh, which means, you know, that there's if you want to go to a men's lacrosse game, that that's going to be uh, available to you. So it stands to I'm reason trying to get to a baseball game. It stands to reason that you could um, do the same with the with the media contingent for practices, right? Because if you're going to allow, what's the difference between 150 mass students for a men's lacrosse game and and you know 75 beat media or whatever uh, attending? That's a, a lot. Practice. 75 would be a yeah. lot. Okay, 50. 30. I don't know. I, I don't know what the number is. So I, I would say 30 would probably be okay. the a more accurate number, but, but which is more to your point, which is actually even more to your point. Right. Like, like it, it should be able to be done, but again, I'm just saying no one's got any word about what is or what isn't going to be done. And so we don't know. So a lot of people saying we'll see this in spring or we'll have to wait and see, but we may not see any of that shit. <laughs> we may fly into this 2021. We'll get, we'll get a, a packet. We'll, we'll get and, and, some sort of like media media release, just well, like they did with fall I, camp, right? I, I mean, like I think we did it, with Jordan Johnson coming out. We'll see a lot of Jordan Johnson <laughs> making plays. Well, but, I mean, I think I no, think we're going to see a lot. We're going to see a lot of uh, Lorenzo Styles. The point yeah. the point to be made is that Notre Dame, uh, in terms of their their media relationship this last year, has been about closing access, right? Using the pandemic as as a a reason to limit. Um, their their team's exposure, and they can certainly justify that um, with their so they justify it with their with their loosening of the grips of uh, their players' social media, where they're allowing them to do much more and with help from the university, where they they're able I want to say able to sell it I don't know maybe in their own mind justify. Spin it. The lack of the lack of media involvement in the season by them putting their players out on social media on different with different things more so. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I guess they could justify out, it to themselves that way. To the, us, it's a little different story. But the, I, mean, I, the, I guess the point I was trying to make was if you want to sit there and say this is a, this is unnecessary and we've got to you know we've got to be leaders in this pandemic and we got to be you know and take the you know the the high moral road or whatever and continue to limit um, media access under the guise of you know safety and welfare of your players and, and also of the media that's that would be attending you certainly could do that continuing into march you know there's not enough shots in arms at this point to to, to for people to say look we, we definitely should be there. Um, 
So it's going to be kind of a, it's going to, it's going to be basically what, what, do, what's their flavor? You know, do they want it to be right. um, the same access that they, that was in 2019 and before, or do they want to continue to use this as a, as a reason to, to not give up the game plan? And again, don't, don't underestimate the fact that there's some strategy here, right? Like, which is like, if you got a new quarterback coming in and nobody's got tape on him, recent tape on him, you know, it may behoove you not to have a bunch of dudes commenting about uh, what's, you know, what's being installed. So right, you, you got a built in excuse, right? I mean, it, it sucks, it's better it than sucks like, for us, but it makes sense. If, if you're looking at it from what's what's in Notre Dame, Brian <clears throat> Kelly, what's in Brian Kelly's best interest? I would say limiting media attendance to, in spring practices is in Brian Well, and it, it keeps interest. it keeps from like the overanalyzation of guys like um like Tyler Buckner, where, you know, you Phil, think, I mean, Phil got hammered. Do you think that for, that actually helps, though? I mean, do you think that... I mean, they think the, it helps, so that's what... That's, they that's, think that's, it helps, but yeah, do you think yes. that it actually helps? I, I mean, I I, don't. a guy's either good or no. he's not, and I'm not sure if them have a tape of Jack Cohn being... I mean, a, I think a, there are a, certain advantages of not having everything that you know out there. Um, but I think most of those advantages have less to do with the feet, with what happens on the field and more to what happens with do, um, you know, in the margins of a newspaper, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of things you don't have to answer to, um, which makes your job easier. I don't think it really equates to what's happening. I think people think that coaches want the super secrecy because of the field, but I'm more so, I think I, which I don't think is true. I think it's more so because this way they can, their storyline is their storyline. There's less questions. There's less bullshit, quote unquote bullshit that they have to deal with. And so it's just, it's just better for them. And I get it. I mean, I totally understand it. I don't, I don't hate on them for wanting to do it. It sucks. Uh, but, <laughs> but I totally get why it happens. Um, and why, it, you know, since last year at this time, why it's been that way. I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, let's, let's move on though here a little bit. I do the defensive side of the ball and that's a big thing that we're either going to see a little bit of or see nothing of because of the, uh, media situation, but Marcus Freeman taking over a defensive coordinator. Um, so this is the first big shift defensively for Notre Dame since the 2016 season. You know, it was kind of a seamless transition between, uh, Mike Elko and Clark Lee, uh, after the 2017 season, now it's a little bit different. There, there's a different philosophy coming up. Um, good news is, is that Freeman, uh, you know, has stated, you know, he's not like married to a scheme. He puts that around his players. Which you hear that from a lot of coaches, you know, when they get the jobs and then sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's not, um, I'll, I'll take about his word for it, but there's a, there's a lot of pieces on this defense coming back for 2021 that it's pretty impressive. Uh, for me, first and foremost, it's, it's Kurt Heinisch and MTA on the defensive line coming back for their, what's their fifth year at Notre Dame. And their this would be their fifth year of like meaningful play too. remember as freshmen in 2017, those guys were in the rotation against fucking Georgia, you know, and, that's important because that's Georgia. That ain't Western Michigan. That was Georgia. Uh, and those guys were in the rotation. So, so some out of experience. So, 
somebody brought this up on the, one of the Irish Breakdown podcasts I thought was really interesting, which was somebody asked, is Kurt Heinisch going to set the record for most games played by any Notre Dame player ever? He might, right? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I, I he should. I mean, I, I gave mathematically. Right. We play more game. We may we play more games now. And you're getting basically five full seasons in. Five full seasons, yeah. I mean, Kurt Kurt Heinisch, in my mind, is already a legend. Uh, but I mean, he could s- certainly set himself up here to be to be it. I mean, he deserves a a, a plaque in the Joyce if he plays all twelve games, thirteen, fourteen games a season. Are you, are either of you I, buying into MTA being split out to end? I'm buying it because that's a lot what we're hearing about. I mean, that's, I'm buying yeah, it. That's, that, that's, is, that's what, that is the chatter. That's the yeah, that's that, the scuttle right now. Is they're saying MTA on uh, at the end, and then uh, and that you know, that's if people don't know, that's because Freeman will he'll use an odd front, like, you know, three down lineman. Um, I, I mean, I and plus there's just well Riley Mills and then you have Adam Eola, right. Jason Alamiola, right? That could that yeah. could get in. Um, I mean, I think it, you have, it would basically be MTA and and Justin Amiola. And Jordan Botello. I, I don't know. I yeah. mean, I don't know. Foskey's I mean, going to be Foskey's going to be on one end. I mean, right? well, I mean, Botello could be considered on that. Could be on the weak side too. You know, Foskey and Botello on the weak side. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I buy into it because I think it's a it's a probability. Um, I don't know how it's going to. I'm not sure how it's going to work out for them. Um, but I, I buy into the fact that I think that's what they were going to try to do. Um, again, at spring, he has a lot of experience at defensive tackle and a nose tackle. Right. So if they want to try him out, if they want to try to see how this, this fits and works this spring, they're not losing anything by it. I mean, you're taking some snaps away from a few guys maybe, but Notre Dame has such a heavy rotation on all the spots on the defensive line or in the, in the past, a lot of these guys have a ton have a decent amount of experience. Maybe and not what a, ton, a coup, decent amount. And that just accentuates the coup of keeping Alston on staff. Oh yeah. That, it is a coup. So, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> keeping up. I mean, I did not think that was going to be the, I didn't think it so either. And keeping uh, him on staff means that he can, I'm, I don't think that Freeman keeping him and Lazinski on staff. Yeah. Well, you know, Lizinski, like, yeah, Lizinski like it was too. supposed to be like, like if, they don't hire Elson as a defensive coordinator. They're going to lose Elson and Lazinski. Instead, they hire Freeman as defensive coordinator. And they keep Elson and keep Lazinski. And I think that's a major win. That, that's the kind of recruiting that Brian Kelly is dominant at. Yeah. That no one's given, like the average fan is not giving him enough credit for. Coach you know what I mean? Yeah. His, yeah. I mean, it really is. And that's I mean, having Mike I mean, Nelson be there this whole time has just been amazing anyway. I mean, it's just that's incredible. And what you said before about just trusting Clark Lee and linebackers, um, at this point, we we kind of have to afford Mike Elston similar um, a similar sort of berth when it comes to all right, we understand that that what you're doing on the defensive line probably is gonna work because for the entirety that his that he's been here, um, I don't think it's unfair to say that he hasn't had the uh, a exceptional dearth of talent 
on the defensive line, Alston. If you look at the recruiting rankings of the the guys that that he's had and been afforded, right. The the work he's put on the defensive line has been a a development, a, a project, a developmental pro. And I was, he said it a couple of times at the press conference in February that everybody hated, but I enjoyed quite quite a bit. Uh, was Elson talk about how this is a developmental program on the defensive line at Notre Dame for the defensive line? That says that says everything you need to know about what has happened. At a position at a position group that Notre Dame has historically had a problem recruiting. And then when they have a problem recruiting it, they have a lack of production there or here. That's not really a problem with recruiting. They have just done what they're doing. They've done a good job of what they want to do. And then when they get there, they develop it how they want. I mean, it's, it's fucking worked out great. I mean, it, I don't know how much better it could get with what they've, with, with how they've done it. You know what I mean? I just want to go off topic for a second here. Um, Michael Bryan from 18 Stripes had a poll that three about 300 Irish fans participated in. Said off-season pulse time. Brian Kelly surprise retires tomorrow. You're only given these two choices. Who is your head coach pick? Clark League or Marcus Freeman? The poll came out. Marcus Freeman 61 and a half percent. Clark Lee 38 and a half percent. So the the one takeaway that I had about this poll was that people are very excited about Marcus Freeman and the potential. And they've certainly bought into the narrative that Marcus Freeman is a dog on the recruiting trail, because how else could you possibly pick Marcus Freeman in this? Um, you would think that Clark Lee would be ready, more ready from day one to, to take over and understand. Before they hired before they hired Marcus Freeman. Clark Lee was everybody's. That's the next guy. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. were like, he, he'll go to Vanderbilt. Well, people would say, go to Vanderbilt, put in your time and then come back to Notre Dame. And, and the sentiment that you're kicking out, Jude is something that I, I share completely with you, but also I, I don't know. Like I, Marcus Freeman's been at Notre Dame for a month. Like he doesn't. I know, like, Jude. I, here's I, the I, thing, though, Jude. I, we, I agree with everything that you, I agree with every bit of your sentiment about it. But we but, never thought we were going to get Marcus Freeman because he is a meteoric star. He is a star on a meteoric rise. And I didn't think, and Josh, you didn't think that it was possible oh, that Notre no. Dame was going to be able to get. Notre Dame doesn't get coaches like assistant coaches like this because he's that he is the next hot thing. Um, he is a dog recruiter. He is a axes and O's. He's a former player. He's played, you know, he, he, he played for, he played at the level, well, I mean, just but the, family man. The he's everything he's putting out there is, is right though, is, is right. Marcus Freeman hasn't been, it hasn't called a single defensive play call. Not a single one for Notre Dame. Has Clark Lee has, yeah, I mean, and now on top of that, Clark Lee, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he, I mean it's not just let's be honest. We, we've seen him be head coach level in South Bend. Like, he's the kind of guy, temperament-wise, as far – and not to say that Marcus Freeman isn't. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not, not saying that at all. I'm just saying what we've seen in Clark Lee in South Bend is – is why people are saying he could be a co he could be a head coach in their name someday. So 
I'd have to get right now, gun to the head. I would have to take Lee. I think after one season of Freeman, though, if we get the results that we're expecting, if we get the results that we're expecting, then I would lean towards the poll, what the poll says with Freeman, because after it's all said and done, college football is all is all about recruiting. And I think Freeman is and will be a better recruiter as a head coach than Lee. So, so for me, but, it, I would, it but I'm going to need to see. I'm going to need to see a season, it, right? So it, for me, it doesn't okay, come down. First. It, it's not at this point. It's not about the recruiting. Like he could be the world's best recruiter. The problem is he he isn't. He doesn't know what it takes to be the Notre Dame coach because he hasn't lived in the Notre Dame community for more than a month. Like I just that's the problem for me. Like a, yeah, a year from now. I'm way more interested in it, not because I because it came true that he's a great recruiter, which I which I'm already believing. It's because he now has had a year to know what it's like, what the limitations are, what what he can and cannot get away with. You know what what the you know board of trustees or the administration or the president or the you know how was Jack it worded? Swarbrick. How was the poll worded? Like Brian Kelly retires, surprise retires right now, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. The fucking answer is Mike Elston, anyways. But you only had two. You only had two choices. Serves as an. Well, hey, hey, I am a. I I I don't. Uh, I don't. I am a athletic director that lives inside my own parameters, not inside everyone else's. The only correct answer here's, is here's why I, That's why I am the AD at Notre Dame. I'm not boxed into your fucking choices here. There's two strikes against Lee for me as far as the next head coach of Notre Dame. One, he took the Vanderbilt job, which is a loser job. Um, but two, I think like actually real reason is what he did with linebacker recruiting in the 2000 and then 2001 season. Um, I know they made the, the, the late push, um, in the 20, 2001 cycle, um, one or the 2000, uh, 20, 20, 2021. Yeah. 2020. <laughs> I was like, 2001, we're season. talking Davies. I, I think yeah, I do. The, the 2020 passing on the younger Simon and then essentially spending most of the 2021 season, not recruiting linebackers at, you know, any level. And they did end up, you know, coming back and getting Prince Kali, but that was a late signing that they weren't exactly, he wasn't exactly early in on Prince Kali. Um, that was something they got in a little bit later in the game. And I just was wildly underwhelmed with the sort of recruiting. Um, and I think we've seen enough of that. I think Brian Kelly's taken this program to um, absolute heights. And I think that whoever replaces him needs to be a guy that, I mean, Brian Kelly's built this program up. He's Brian, the builder. And I think the guy that comes next needs to be an absolute dog on the recruiting trail. And I know for a fact, Clark Lee, isn't that guy. I know he's not that guy. So I I don't think that I want that to be the guy immediately following Brian Kelly. Yeah, I mean, again, I of those two choices, I I would still go Lee right now today, 
give me a give me a year with Freeman. And like Jude said, how important that is to to, to see how that works in Notre Dame. Uh, and then I would I would go heavily with Freeman for the recruiting reasons. It's just I mean, it's a good question. It's a good, I mean, it, it makes you think. Uh, but like I said, too, the correct answer really is outside the box. My Colston. Uh, <laughs> and, and probably I, and I guarantee you, if if Brian Kelly quit tomorrow for health reasons, Mike Elson would be the guy they would tap anyway. So, yep. He'd be it. You sure it's not associate head coach, Brian Pullian? Yeah. <laughs> I said I wanted a dog on the recruiting trail, Jude. I heard you. I mean, you could have a pig in a fire in Hawaii with Bullion. Hey, he, just, he just wrote a book about connecting with the generation, so he must know something. Maybe he's going to run for governor. <laughs> I mean, you got to get that book in first, right? Yeah. Book's huge. So just one last thing defensively. I mean, I think, uh, I, you know, Kyle Hamilton is Kyle Hamilton. But, you know, he's going to be either uh, sidelined a little bit, you know, with the surgery and all that. But Notre Dame, they really need to figure out what the hell they're doing in the secondary. I mean, they really need to get that groundwork laid immediately this year. Um, you know, Houston Griffith is a has got to be like priority one for a guy because regardless of who can do what, Houston Griffith of, of the safeties there, he's probably the most physically gifted one other than Kyle Hamilton. So he's the guy you need to get. You need to get. You need to coach him. You need to coach him is what you need to do coach him, get him to where he needs to be. And then figuring out what you're doing at corner, Tariq Bracey, Clarence Lewis, like Bracey, like that needs to happen. Like that, that switch needs to the flip because it, it didn't last year at all. He was still stuck in the year before as far as his, what it looked like developmentally. Um, I just, I, they could get into a lot of trouble in the 2021 season you know, we're saying, you know, like, hey, pick out the loss, you know, on the thing. But you can get into a lot of trouble if your secondary is is giving up, you know, 12 yards here. I mean, let guys get behind them. Even with a superstar like Kyle Hamilton, again, you, you know, you could single out one guy and get around the one guy. Uh, you know, you need to be able to force action towards him. And, I, you know, we're just not we're not at that level right now with who we have back there right now today. To, to get it to how they're doing that. So I don't know how that's going to get go shake out and how that's going to go down, but that's, that is, that might be big. That might be bigger than what's happening on the offensive line. Cause again, I think we can, we can say Jeff Quinn's going to do what Jeff Quinn does. Is Mike Mickens, you know, is, uh, is O'Leary. Are, are these guys going to get, uh, get the secondary, figured the hell out. Uh, so we're not tripping over ourselves. I mean, they had, they had quite a few issues last year, which Clemson exposed and which Alabama exposed. We don't have either of those teams that are scheduled next year, but you do have some guys that can throw the rock that can get you in some trouble. So that I, 
that might be the biggest thing there is on the team itself is what they're going to do in the secondary. Do you think that either of the uh, the two top-rated uh, defensive recruits coming in end up getting a look at, uh, or I guess um, not top recruits because uh, there's Rubio, but do you think um, Philip Riley or Ryan Barnes ends up getting a look at that other corner spot? Maybe. I thought what Tom Lloyd said something interesting when he talked about Riley at linebacker. What? And he, he just and I, I said what, and he and I kind of laughed and he's like he's like man that's a big kid that's gonna get bigger, yeah. And so maybe so maybe not linebacker although Drew Tranquil is the guy that that certainly worked his body into linebacker mode. Philip Riley looks like he could be a guy that could do that. I don't know, um, but it, it made me think. I I don't know if I agree with it, but it made me think like hey that's that's a possibility. But yeah, like uh, you know, Ryan Barnes. Man, have you seen Joe Jojo Johnson? Joe yeah. Joe Q. And that's a and that's a that's oh a my guy god, that, he looked, uh, Marcus he is Freeman tough. has been all over for basically yeah, his whole tough. high school career. You know, I don't know. I mean, there are a couple of guys that have been on the Caleb Offord, Ramon Henderson. Where are they at on that? Uh, yeah. you know, I had a lot of. Uh, a lot of expectations for not expectations, but a lot of hopes for offered. Henderson was more of, I think, more of a project thing. But you know, you're speaking of newcomers too. You know, maybe Car is a guy that can step up and help you out as a freshman. I think a lot of a lot of people really think that he has the ability to do that. So I don't know. I mean, I as important as this this all is, I have less insight. And less answers. I mean, like trying to like figure this out myself, you know, in my head than any other position group. Like I, I there's the map outs that I've put in front of myself for at safety and a corner. They're all over the fucking, <laughs> it's all over the place. Uh, so I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I freshman corners. I guess we had Clarence Lewis over there. Last year. Yeah. Job. You saw the, you saw the issues though, as a freshman. You know, is is Ryan Barnes a prodigy like Clarence Lewis? We'll have Shoot. to ask this high school coach. <laughs> That's one of my favorite bits of information ever. I, I, I'm still stuck on the fact we're recruiting some guy named Jojo Johnson. Is that what you said? Yeah, oh, we signed yeah. him. Jo- yeah, we signed oh. him. Jo- Dude, he I, missed, I missed that. He was the Cincinnati commit that Notre Dame did, or I guess he was, uh, that we pulled from Marcus. And then Marcus was like, well, I really want to coach Jojo. So that's why, that's why I came here. Cause he, <laughs> he, de- he, he was a Cincinnati commit and he decommitted and then came to, uh, he came to Notre Dame. Wow. The, the only, the only person I've ever heard named Jojo before this was, uh, the idiot circus boy with the pretty new pet. Uh, I don't know. Joseph Joestar and Jonathan Joestar, John Toro Joestar. There's a lot of Joestars that go by JoJo. You know, and JoJo, I mean, he was getting a lot of good, uh, you know, good press. Like, people are generally excited about him uh, as an athlete, like what he can, athletically, what he can bring to the table. And then, I mean, then you look at him, seriously, look at him physically, and he is just fucking, he does not look like a high school senior. Uh, and so, 
you know, maybe, yeah, maybe he's a guy who can help you out right away. I don't know. But that's still not a comforting thought thinking about your secondary and all these underclassmen. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. It's just, it's not a comforting thought. Is, do you think Notre Dame taps into the grad transfer market at all or the transfer portal at all to address some of the concerns that they might have with their secondary? Or do you think that the roster is what the roster is? I think they do. I, I think they, I think they definitely have their toe in there. I don't know, but I don't know if they pull anybody out. I mean, I know that's kind of riding the fence a little bit, but I mean, I think they're going to be looking. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they're going to be looking. Yes. But I don't think they're just going to take anybody. I mean, you're, they're, they're portal curious then they're portal. Wait, curious. You, you don't think they'll just take anybody who, uh, has a history of, uh, pro, uh, injury issues at their previous school and, and then ends up never playing <laughs> it down for They're not going to take the Freddie canteen of corner. Freddie canteen boy. Yeah. I was thinking about the guy from Stanford, the running back. I was thinking about the kid from oh, yeah, Arizona State. What was the Arizona State kid? Cam Sutton? No, what was his name? No, Smith. Sutton. Uh, Cam Smith. Cam Smith, Cam Smith. yeah. Cam yeah. Smith. Who outperformed Freddie Canteen? Yeah. He definitely yeah. did more than Freddie Canteen did. He had, he had a solid two-game yeah. run, right? I mean, we're allowed to, like, really be okay with making fun of the Freddie Canteen situation, right? Because he did choose Michigan for four years. Right. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> I think the the, the the thing that sucks is that he went to Tulane after after Notre Dame and got hurt in spring practice. Like, yes. that sucks. Yes. Yeah, that's, that just sucks. He does, he did not ha- he does not have what one would call good luck. Uh, it's like Mr. Glass. <laughs> but I mean, he's gonna have what three degrees? Degrees, degrees from he, uh, he's well, got an undergrad yeah. from Michigan. I, he probably didn't get that. From he probably didn't get anything from Tulane. So I don't know, man. While you're there, just finish. I mean, all you have to do is just finish it up. They got one-year programs too. Just add right. add it to your collection. I'm out there. Hey, I'm out there collecting uh, degrees for free. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and I say free uh, and just in a. I got a lot of beignets and obviously these guys are busting their ass. Lie. They do. We're not gonna get into that. That conversation. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you got it. Maybe we should check in. Like, yeah, I like to interview Freddie Canteen. Just want to see if he got his degree from today. What do you think Freddie Canteen is doing with his life right now? Uh, <laughs> I, every time you say his name, oh, I just think about do you think Do you think maybe Canteen that he's board. looking at that XFL-CFL collaboration and thinking, here's my opportunity? I mean, because I, I, if, I if I was Niles Morgan, that's what I'd be thinking. Hey, did you uh, – speaking of uh, former Spring Football League All-Stars. So Greer Martini? Greer Martini? Yeah. I had, a, I had a reader send me that. And it's not just Greer Martini. It's a – there's a, a walk-on Jimmy Thompson. Also got a gig. Uh, he's, a gra- he's a grad assistant down there at Vanderbilt too. So Greer Martini's doing quality more. control. Yeah, that was, that was a good – that was a good poll. That was a good spot. I did not know. Not since so, the German Sancta Lusitania has uh, anybody had been more effective against the U.S. Navy than Greer Martini. <laughs> so I'm searching uh, LinkedIn for for a Fred Canteen. Oh my God, we're doing this, for, huh? And I got it. Okay, I what's got he it. doing? Frederick. Did he get- Frederick can't listen. 
Frederick Canteen. I don't know if this is. I, I honestly could not pick uh, Freddie Canteen out of a lineup. Yeah, but I'm gonna go with this. I could. He's unconscious. No, I, no, never mind. This guy's got a, his bachelor's from uh, Coastal Carolina from 03 to 06. Oh, you didn't even do the. Oh, you got my hopes up that you had actually found him, but you didn't even do the education check. That's the that's the giveaway. That's what I just did. I just said he got it from Coastal Carolina. Right, but before he. Okay, never mind. You got to do that before you say, oh, I got him. Listen, anyway. I don't, I'm not Listen. on. Listen. Listen. I'm not on. <laughs> LinkedIn, like, trying to improve my life. I, it's just a random thing that's on my phone. So I'm not sure all the ins and outs of all you LinkedIn pros here. But I don't find any, there's no Fred Canteen that fits the description. Maybe he still goes by Freddie professionally. Like Freddie Prince Jr. That's what I would go by. My name was Fred. I'd go by Freddie. Uh, and I, I, I see no Freddie Canteen either. I would go by Frederico. Frederico. I just saw a Fred, uh, Freddie Prince Jr. interview about Star Wars. He was basically like, "Fuck you. These things are he was awesome." In Star Wars. He was in Star Wars Rebels. He was great. Right, but he was saying that. He was talking about how Dave Filoni is his friend, and he's like, no one, no one understands the Force. Dave told yeah, me he, this is what George told him, and this is this is how it really is. No one really does anything; it's all decided. Like he was, he was like fucking like laying it down like a Baptist preacher. He was in Star Wars Rebels, and yes. for like three seasons, he was very good. Uh, it was it's an underrated show, um, and he played basically one of the last Jedi. How's it underrated? Everybody knows. I mean, any true uh, Star Wars fan is watching Clone Wars and Rebels. Yeah, they should be. I mean, you got Thrawn. I mean, you get Thrawn. You finally get yeah, Thrawn. In something. In it. Yeah, you I, finally get Thrawn in something. Um, and it was a good. I, I expected the, him to suck, and he didn't suck. And you gave Ezra the full heel turn, but then redemption. It was very good. He brought back. Darth Maul, I digress. It was very good. There, there is a whole side of TikTok, like into the uh, into the rebels and Clone Wars stuff. Is just it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. I mean, we're talking like a month's worth of uh, deep dive. Been on the toilet. Oh. Awesome, great material. The legs go numb. You're so drenched into conspiracy th- uh, realm of uh, what's actually happening there. It's fantastic. Uh, well, we need to start moving along. So th- that that was kind of like our spring preview. Yay. We did it. <laughs> I mean, last year, my spring preview was literally listing off names. It was the, <laughs> most, fun, it was the most fun dictation I think I've ever done. Oh, I remember I, that one. I do remember I, I that jumped, one. We, I think we I dunked on you it. for listing off names on the, on the, the, the preceding pod. I jumped into it just to like to do something and I felt what was happening and just leaned into it hard as shit. <laughs> like, like just a couple minutes in, I'm like, I am literally just listing off names. Just fucking go with it. Just go with it. And so that is the listing of names episode. Uh, that, you know, that could, that could, maybe that's a spring ritual. Maybe I'll do a off the rails episode 
the listing, the list of names, part two. I don't know. If you're if you're into listening to raspy voices Dang. talking, yeah, just name name calling. Uh, so let's 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 get into the let's move along. <laughs> what a spring preview! God, we are the we are the masters. Um, so speaking of recruiting, the 2018 recruiting class, and again we go over. We've been trying to do this weekly, going over uh, past recruiting classes. And we've been, you know, early, early aughts. Uh, I, I can't remember what the most recent one was, but now it's definitely going to be this one. And for a reason. This this 2018 recruiting class is what is essentially Notre Dame's senior class right now. Notre Dame signed 27 guys in this class. It was a top 10 guy. They got a top 10 ranking. Uh, and it's actually quite incredible when you, when you look at who's not here uh, on the on this list, and not only like who's not here, but who hasn't done what. Uh, so, right. So in keeping of the listing of names, uh, a lot of names on this list, one. Here's me listing off the 27 names, and this is going to go from the highest ranked recruit of the class all the way down. This is according to 24/7 composite rankings. No five stars in this class because that's not a Brian Kelly thing. Uh, so we begin with our four stars here. Tell it to Michael Mayer. Houston Griffith, safety. Wide receiver Kevin Austin. Quarterback Phil Dracovic. Linebacker Shane Simon. Linebacker Jack Lamb. Safety Derek Allen. Defensive tackle Jason Admiola. Wide receiver Braden Lindsey. Tight end George Takis. Wide receiver Lawrence Keys. Linebacker Bo Bauer, uh, cornerback Noah Boykin, offensive tackle Jarrett Patterson, wide receiver Micah Jones, cornerback, and now we're getting to three stars. Now here's your three stars. Cornerback Tariq Bracey, safety DJ Brown, tight end Tommy Treble, offensive lineman John Dirksen, offensive lineman Luke Jones, defensive end Ovia Gofu, defensive tackle Jamie on Franklin, Running back Jameer Smith, defensive end Justin Admiola, offensive tackle Cole Mabry, uh, wide receiver Joe Wilkins, safety Paul Mawala, and running back who wasn't even who was an NA nationally, Sebo <laughs> Flemish. Paul, Paul Mawala was the 925th ranked recruit uh, nationally. Sebo uh, did not get in that top thousand. So there's the names. Now there's the names. And there is a lot of guys guys not in this class. So just going back through who's not in this class, Phil Dracovic, Jack Lamb, Adios. Derek Allen, yeah. uh, Noah Boykin, Micah Jones, uh, Tommy Trouble left early, uh, Luke Jones, Ovia Gofu, Jamie and Franklin, Jameer Smith, Cole Mabry. These are all guys that have that have transferred, been medicaled, or for the NFL a year early, which just was just alone. Uh, and Tommy Tremble. Who's the best player in this class? Define best player. Who's the best player in this class? 
who, define it however you want. As, I guess as as the most productive player from this class. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jared Patterson. Jared, Jared, yeah, Jared Patterson has to be it. Okay. I mean, he was the best center in college football last year until he got hurt, and he's so good that they're going <laughs> to. Well, his better position is back. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, with, uh, Jason Abiola uh, has done Tommy well, Trumbull. but the role. Yeah. Um. I mean, Houston Griffith started off as. I mean, he was the top-ranked guy, and he came yeah. in as a freshman and played right away. He was he was the Nickelback. Uh, but then it just has not progressed since then. Um, this is so easy to say in retrospect, but I never felt good about the whole Noah, Noah Boykin last minute, like surprising the yeah. coaches with his commitment it, thing. It was just, it was a fun signing day win, which is what signing day is all about. But do you remember like, do you remember the, the, I think it was FIM, like the signing day, like show or whatever. They showed the coach's reaction and they were like, they were kind of like, what? You know, like they had no clue he was going to commit. No, it was a total. Sh- it was a total shocker. Which I mean, they he were pumped. Virginia, about, they were pumped Virginia about it. Like, yeah, they were pumped about it. But like at the same time, like I don't know. It it felt like he was sitting back there flipping a coin almost. You know. I mean, that's what it was. I mean, they they, they yeah. really didn't. They were more. They were probably seventy five percent sure he was going somewhere else. In fact, I think they've even said that before. Like they were sure he was going somewhere else, and they were just watching it. And then he picks Notre Dame. So like, oh, what the fuck? Hey, who was the recruit? I don't think it was this class. Who was the recruit that Kelly did the cheesy? Uh, hold on, I gotta take a phone call oh, from yeah. during the signing day presser. Oh, you remember who yeah. that was? I can't remember. I can't not remember which player it yeah. was. Uh, anyways, which I mean, bonus points for Kelly for trying to to make some make some fun with it, right? M- make a little noise. Uh, but that like the, the production out of this class going into their senior year is not good. No, legendarily bad. I, and I don't think yeah. that the transfers are over on this class. I think that you might see one or two more players by spring's end. Bull. I, I mean, are you just are you singling in on Sebo? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not singling, but I mean, like, what's if up, you're what's Joe George? Wilkins, what do you what do you do what are you doing? I mean, what is, are what you is George? What does George Sackis do? I don't know. Well, I he's going to be. He's going to be the he's Tommy gonna, Trumbull. He, Yes, yeah, he okay. he comes he takes over the Tommy Trumbull role, which is which is fine, which is fine. I think I think George I think George is fine with that role. I think he's, I think that's all I think that's all set and that's that's going to be fine. If, but I mean, who else? Who else besides? I guess who else besides Sebo? That I mean, if you're Braden Lindsay or you're um, Kevin Wilkins. Austin or you're Joe Wilkins, and you just need a fresh start. And spring, like, what if one of them gets banged up and it's just like, listen, this isn't working out. I just need a fresh start somewhere else going into the fall. Like, I mean, the with, wide with receiver the new, room, the, the new players coming I mean, in. And, all these guys here, and here's what's been interesting, is the, the like the recent tra- – like, take Jack Lamb, for example, okay? Jack Lamb's transferring to, to Colorado. 
This is the 2018 class. This is your senior year. But he's going to, he graduated from Notre Dame or is going to graduate from Notre Dame in May. And when he gets to his new school, Colorado, he's going to have three years of eligibility available to him. Ridiculous. That is a lot. That is a lot of eligibility left on the table. A lot. And I think that's a big reason why you've seen so many guys. I mean, you know, I mean, Phil was bouncing regardless, but I mean, some of these guys are like, all right, I can go get a, like you said, Brennan, a fresh start somewhere else. Jameer Smith is a guy. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Franklin's a guy. Uh, Luke Jones transferred a long time ago. Um, you know, Micah Jones. I mean, th- these are guys that are just like, think you'll have a, think you still go have a career somewhere, not a year, a career somewhere else. <laughs> uh, you know, and get the snaps that, that they want to get. Um, and I, which I, so I think with that in mind, if certain things don't lay, lay out the spring the way they want it to, yeah, maybe you do see a couple more. Maybe it's, maybe it's a big name one that you're just out. No one's ready to admit yet. Maybe it's a guy like Shane Simon. Did Derek you know, Allen do every, maybe it is a, maybe, maybe it is a Kevin Austin. Derek Allen, um, Derek Allen uh, was backup reps at Georgia Tech last year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He did not crack the starting lineup. No. Derek Allen, from day one that he got on uh, Notre Dame's campus, he was one of the guys that, like, the beat singled out as. This is a mistake. Well, man, I wouldn't say mistake, but, like, this isn't going to work out the way the recruiting rankings say they're going to work out, mm. basically. You know, I mean, kind of like the, um, uh, oh, what's his face? The, uh, the defensive tackle. Aaron Lynch. No, the D, the D tackle for, uh, from. Virginia. Oh, Darnell Yule. Yeah. Darnell, yeah, Darnell Yule. Yule. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's another he's a guy along those lines. Um, although Allen much more upside as far as potentially becoming a, a, a player of the field. I don't know if you'll ever, it's going to have that anywhere. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just here's a top 10 class that by the time their four years is over with is basically going to be a top 75 class. <laughs> just because there's just so much out. There's so much gone. And I mean, there's just there's just like Lawrence Keys, like the, the the wide receivers alone in this class. There's a lot of wide receivers in this class. Why did why did Dell feel it was okay to take four wide receivers this class? I always I've been wondering that for months, months, and I'm wondering if like he feels burned, like he feels like if they just would if they wouldn't have took Joe Wilkins, would <laughs> would Brayden Lindsey and and Kevin Austin and Lawrence Keys. Be but yeah, be much better right now. Like, I don't know. I I don't I don't know. Well, I do know that Wilkins was a guy that they also toyed with. As far not as not only that, but there, Micah, the, there was Mike. They had five wide receivers because yeah, Mike Jones, Jones too. What, yeah, the, what Wilkins the hell? Was, Wilkins was a possible defensive player. He could have played corner. Yeah, he was a, he was a legit, and there was talk yeah. moving in the corner. Yeah. What is going on with a class of five? And then you got, you know, what was aches guys who are willing to, to was this Dell? Was this Dell's first year? 
Yeah, he. I was looking at some of the players earlier today when you said 2018, and he was the secondary recruiter um, for for a couple of them. Comically okay. enough, uh, my so boy, he saw this was like, no, no, I can't, I can't have all these these uh, you know top 250 players here. <laughs> hold up, hold up. Too spicy here. This ketchup is too spicy. <laughs> Can I get some more sugar, please? Uh, but yeah, I mean, their time at Notre Dame has been well spent as far as wins are concerned. I mean, I, 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 I still expect Notre Dame to to win double digit wins this season. I mean, we've we've talked about that. You know, ten yeah. seems like the, the the floor to me at this point. Uh, so their career at Notre Dame is going to be well spent in terms of wins, but how much their contributions actually are, man, it's not, it's not, it's not good. And yeah, Jarrett Patterson is the, I the mean, best. he is the star of this class, it's which is funny bad, I mean, I love Jarrett Patterson. The two, the two positions that this class focused the most heavily on and had the highest rated recruits, I guess, kind of, um, sort of cumulatively were linebacker and wide receiver. And those were the two positions that they kind of whiffed on the most. Right. Right. With, with Jack lamb. And um, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what, what Bo Bowers uh, special teams whiz. Um, but somebody between Shane Simon and Bo Bowers isn't gonna, maybe they, maybe they do a one, two punch this year, but Wide receiver, especially just the combined catches between uh, who has them. I think it's I think it's Braden Lindsay. But um, does Kevin Austin have as many catches as Joe Wilkins? Who has more catches, <laughs> Kevin Kevin Austin or Joe Wilkins? <laughs> well, Austin's got what uh, three? three career. Wilkins has a TD grab. Yeah, I mean he's got it on that. Yeah, Wilkins must must have more, right? On National Signing Day 2018, <clears throat> if we were to go and record a podcast saying we are from the future and this is how this class is going to perform at Notre Dame, we would get death threats. From the, the, the players' parents? Parents, fans, Brian Kelly. Joe Wilkins has nine career catches. Kevin Austin Austin has uh, six. There you go. (laughs) So between the two, by their senior... I mean, this is just incredible. I mean, it really is. It doesn't make any sense. Nope. That's football, though. I mean, Ian Book, three-star. I don't... Just winning quarterback ever. Which is... (laughs) Which kind of I, I hate to I hate to do this, but it, it kind of shows you about the the just you know the prediction game, right? Which is like especially with these recruits, and I think it's going to be even worse with all these people not being in camps and, and yeah. you know. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh gosh. That was I mean, like I not even I having seasons, like California kids not having seasons. Yeah. Tyler Buckner. Kentucky kids coming back for their senior years for a fifth year. I, I, I we haven't talked. That is the most incredible thing I've ever heard of, and I still don't understand it. I, I do not understand 
Like, hey, why don't you stay in high school another year? How would you like to go to high school for five years so you can play football again? <laughs> One more year. <laughs> Oh, yeah, not going to do that. You know I laugh. I, I laugh, but I honestly am thinking, like, would that have been something I've been interested in? Yeah. Because I grew, I mean, I grew in size quite a bit after I graduated, not just from my, you know, from the freshman games you get in college. You know Al, Bu- you know Al Bundy would have signed up for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> would you just look like a tool? I mean, that's, <laughs> I would think about that. Would you just look terrible? Doing that? Are you like, uh, what's his face? Are you, uh, um, oh God, what's Matthew McConaughey? Got, and right. That's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I get older. You say the same age, man. I don't know. I just, it, do, do you get to go to prom? Can you just play football? And then like, just you are, you should already have graduated though. Right. So you still got your, your diploma. You're on the Drew, you're on the Drew tranquil path. So what? Like, so you still got your diploma. You, yeah. you should have. And then just, just say, yeah, I'm going to go back to school for a fifth year just to get to football season. And then to be like in November. All right, guys, uh, I'm, I'm going to go work for the, I'm going to go work for the city. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is what's important to Kentucky in their state legislature right now. Man, if you were the, if you were the senior, if you were the junior quarterback, hoping to get your time and then, uh, you know, Billy Bob. Who brought that? Comes back. Who brought this up in the Kentucky state legislature? Like, how was this ahead of anything else? I, anything else like there's, there's gotta be a, I've driven in Kentucky. It's, they got terrible roads. Like there isn't a road somewhere you'd rather fix. Well, you can walk and chew gum. Maybe they did this because there's, Maybe they did this because there's no money involved. <laughs> like, yeah. hey, we can do this. We can do this. Maybe we'll there was a legislator this. whose son missed out on his senior year of football. I'll, I'll be goddamned if he's going to miss out on that last year of glory. I don't know. So, yeah, the 2018 class, I they, they, they still have a year of redemption. Two years in some case, I, I suppose. Three years. What? I, I mean, know, Kevin Austin or Brayden Lindsey can transcend it. Fifth-year linebackers um, at Notre Dame seem to have a pretty good play, I think, right? I mean, there, there's still a path to to making this look a lot better than what it is right now. Yeah, I mean, if it, Shane Simon and, or, and one of the receivers busts out. Um, I mean, your, your top two guys alone, just in, in Griffith and Austin. Oh, yeah, Griffith, those guys, yeah. If those guys turn out this year the way that we hope that they do, that helps turn this narrative of this class uh, quite a bit. We'll throw Lindsay in that mix, too, as well. I mean, it's just it's it, it's a it, it's a extremely interesting class if you were looking outside in. But since we're on the inside, it's also very sad. Yeah. It's also like, what what are we doing here? What, what, nothing makes sense. Everything that we say is a lie, or turns out to be one, because none of this was remotely predicted or thought of. I mean, it's just like, are you are you fooling yourself every signing day? And which we are. We we've already admitted we we are fooling ourselves on every signing day because we have no idea. But this is just so, so in your face. 
out there that it, it gets at you. All right. Final, final item on the agenda tonight. And I'm curious because there, there's a slight age difference between and is a, it's a wee bit younger. So rank everything. Top five cartoons slash kids shows uh, from when you were growing up. So Brendan, why don't you, why don't you go first? Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm a 90s kid. I think you guys are both 80s kids, uh, but I'm a 90s kid. Um, but right on the peripheral for me was that original Transformers. Uh, they were playing a lot of the reruns in the late 80s, early 90s. It was a, I mean, that was, that was, oh, it was awesome. Um, I, I still cry. Uh, I still tear up when Optimus Prime dies uh, in uh, Transformers, <laughs> the movie. Uh, did either of you guys watch the X-Men cartoon show, which was very awesome. The nineties X-Men cartoon show. Nope. Nope. Uh, it had, it had, <laughs> I think it's going to go like this for a lot of them um, for me. Uh, but yeah, the X-Men cartoon show, they played it on Fox. It had like X-Men and then followed by Spider-Man. Uh, both were very good, but the X-Men one was especially good. Um, what about SWAT cats? Did you guys watch SWAT cats? Is no nope. cats oh. and they worked at a junkyard, but they had a, for some reason they, li- they lived in mega cat city. And for some reason it was okay. And the government, uh, weren't hunting them down is they had a military parade, um, fighter jet that they kept in their junkyard and they fought crime with their fighter jet. They had missiles okay. and stuff. It was, it was very good. Um, uh, hey Arnold, did you guys watch Hey Arnold on the Nickelodeons? I think nope. Nicktoons. I mean, I'm, I'm aware of it, but no. Uh, the Nicktoons for me, Hey Arnold, uh, was the the best of the of the Nicktoons. And then. Um, I watched a lot of like an absurd amount of Cartoon Network growing up. Like in the early '90s, they just essentially all they played before they had their own shows is they just played Hanna Barbera cartoons, and it was essentially Which the Hanna Barbera. Yeah, all, well, all of them were classic. Like the um, you're about you're about to say the Laugh Olympics, aren't you? I, I was not the Laugh Olympics, which was very good, but it, it goes a little bit later in it, and it was an '80s cartoon known as the Centurions, which was one that oh, really yeah. resonated with. Do you remember the Centurions? I love yes, it. Yes, I do. I do. Flippin' show, uh, but yeah, Centurions uh, makes my list as sort of the the last final one. Yeah, I ordered a boomerang just to like stuff these shows down my kids' throats. Oh yeah, Boomerang is basically <laughs> Hanna Barbera too. Yeah, Boomerang. I mean, and a lot of them they like, and then some of them that I would think like, oh, they'll get like Inspector Gadget, like they'll they'll love this, and they didn't. Like, man, how do you not love Inspector Gadget? So, I, I can't say that I that I recall too much of what your list is, but the Centurions oh, one. That's, that's it. Yeah, yes. Centurions is definitely an '80s show. My my wife my wife my wife my wife my wife will be right there with. All right, Jude. 
Well, you guys have already named some uh, ones in my... Uh, I, Inspector Gadget was in my honorable mentions. I definitely watched that. Um, Snorks, Snurfs, Smurfs Underwater was in my honorable mentions. I watched this uh, show called The Quickie Koala Show. I don't know if uh, I remember. remembers yep. it. Oh, you remember yeah, that one, Brendan? Okay. I remember Quickie Koala. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nope, I don't. Um, so basically it was four different cartoons in like one 30-minute block. Quickie was the the headliner on that one. Um, I have uh, Gummy Bears as honorable mentions. Um, I watched a show called Lorenzo Shirt Music. Shirt Tales, which was a, the most ridiculous thing. It was based off like Hallmark greeting cards. Um, I'm not even sure why I like that show, but uh, I remember that little little version of me was really into it. So uh, number five, I have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Watched a ton of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when I was a kid. Uh, number four, I put Garfield and Friends. Saturday morning was not Lorenzo Music without, again without oh. uh, Garfield and Friends. Number three, I put DuckTales. Watched a ton of DuckTales. Um, I even watched Tailspin. Like I watched all everything Disney like in that <laughs> during that era. Uh, Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers, sort of Dale. Uh, number two has already been mentioned, Laugh Olympics. I loved Laugh Olympics. Hell yeah! Um, classic. Just finding new ways for uh, you know the really rottens to screw up their 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 lead. Um, I don't know. Just all your favorite, <laughs> all your favorite Hanna Barbera characters are now complete competing in like Olympic type, you know, competition. I just thought it was great. Um, it's the ultimate eighties thing to do. Yeah, and number one for me is The Simpsons. Um, so when The Simpsons started in nineteen eighty nine, I was already ten years old. Maybe yeah, ten. You're years allowed old. to watch them. Um, and yeah, and so there became this thing where. Um, I remember a guy from my, from our church telling my dad that we couldn't watch the Simpsons because, you know, Bart was rude to his, you know, parents. And, um, he said, who the hell are you, man? And stuff like that. And I remember begging my parents to get a Bart Simpson t-shirt. And the one I really wanted was the, I'm Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you? Um, but they wouldn't let me have that one. So I got a Bart Simpson underachiever t-shirt, uh, which I wore. (laughs) Uh, all the all the while, and then I got a second one that said "I Carumba" on it. Um, yeah, there so you I was, go. I'm super into Simpsons. Those I, I still think um, those first like five seasons are so good. The first season is a little rough, but it really hits its stride um, with the with the Conan's with the Conan era. The monorail yeah. episode remains my favorite. Uh, March versus monorail. yeah, March versus the monorail. Um, I haven't even seen Music Man, and I just think that that el- that uh, the whole episode is just hilarious. Um, and so Homer versus a Pooh, you know, there's like there's so many great episodes Homer from that C- kind of New like, York. yeah, from those first couple of seasons. So um, for me, The Simpsons was really I hung in with The Simpsons a lot longer than I probably should have, and I haven't watched it really in years. Um, but you should watch. You They're know. fortune tellers. Yeah, so I hear. I mean, you do you do shows for thirty years. You're going to get some things right, I would imagine. So, so that's yeah, it. I mean, that's a solid. I was <clears throat> I was mortified though, thinking, shit, June and I might have the same list here, and we did not. Yeah, I didn't watch like Thundercats or He Man. I really didn't watch any of those. GI Joe. I didn't watch any of those shows. So if you're going in that okay, direction, so, not it's fertile. So, yeah. Well, like. 
Inspector Gadget, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Laugh Olympics, obviously, DuckTales, all those are like on the honorable mentions. Um, so yeah, so I'll do this five, five through one here. So number five, uh, Heathcliff. No, I just, I just terrorize the neighborhood. And I have no idea. It, I'm not even sure looking back if it was really that great, but no, it's, it's one of the, it's, but it's one of them that has stuck with me. Oh long, dude, you know, I like, watched, I watched pound puppies for like years just because it was on after before what, Garfield. What about after the, Garfield. you guys remember the paw paws, which is one of the worst shows that I think I can remember. They were like Native American um, my, dogs. My wife just asked me had. all about the pound puppies, but I told her what we were doing our top five with. She's like, "What about pound puppies?" I'm like, "No, I, I didn't. I didn't watch pound puppies. I've never heard of the pawpaws." Yeah, pawpaws is right, and they like they summoned uh, like a totem pole worth of like Mac. Yeah, I think it's one too. It was it was not great. I think it was so, Hanna Barbera number, as well. Number four here, I got Super Friends. Um, oh, yeah, much like much like Laugh Olympics, anytime you get like a crossover combo effect with with characters, I I love it. I, I even even today, like in movies and all that, it's it's I, I enjoy those things for one reason or another. Um, and you know, just into this whole superhero thing. Um, number three, Fraggle Rock. Oh even wow, we were, that's a huge even though we were, my part. Even though we were dirt poor, like poverty. You had HBO? Because, well, dad worked for the cable company. Oh, that's so right. <laughs> so, uh, so, I ha- so I had the, uh, the, the privilege of watching Fraggle Rock, which is just an amazing, um, amazing show. And honestly, I mean, I love all the hence. I love a, maybe not the crystal whatever the fuck, <laughs> but like dark the crystal. Muppet Show. Yeah, Dark yeah, Crystal. The Muppet Show was incredible the the old guy i mean just the muppet show the swedish chef all that the muppets in general but fraggle rock was was i you know it was that weekly series it was at night you know it wasn't like it was a saturday morning cartoon it was hey on saturday night we can watch fraggle rock um and you know, the, this is way before like dvrs we didn't even own a vcr all right so you had to get the time you had to break out the uh the tv guide to to get figure out when you're gonna watch this um but re- remember really enjoying that uh, yeah, number two, Thundercats. It's huge. Look, there was a uh, there was a show in Fort Wayne on Super Fifty Five Fox called Happy's Place, and it was Happy the Clown and this puppet frog named Froggy called Froggy's Pat. Froggy he had his own little thing going on in the morning, um, but Happy the Clown was also a an extreme drunk. Like dad actually, my, my dad actually worked at Fox at 55 Fox as a master controller, um, as one of his jobs that he had, uh, and, uh, it got to know, you know, happy, great guy, but just extreme drunk, but it was like the show in Fort Wayne. Like if you were a kid, you wanted to go be on happy's place. There's many, Wes's looks funny as hell. I've seen the, the little clip of Wes on uh, happy's place, but, um, yeah, I mean they had you know, all the good cartoons. That it was when you got home from school. It, it was just it was a classic like hour and a half or something like that uh, after school to just like unwind from from everything. And it's it just a good time. Thund, thund, and Thundercats was a part of that lineup for a few of those years. And I fucking love Thundercats. It was that's that is quality cartoon action right there. Thundercats. Uh, oh. So I just I just 
I just remembered that I didn't include Ren and Stimpy, which is like, that was a big bonding moment for me and my dad. It was like the one cartoon that he would watch. So we say get Ren and Stimpy VHS tapes. Wait, he would let you watch Ren and Stimpy, but, but balked a little bit at the Simpsons. I don't know. I don't think to be honest with you, to his credit, I don't think he ever balked at the Simpsons. I think he thought it was, I think he thought it was funny and a little subversive. Now, Jude, what if Ren and Stimpy was my number one and you just came in and stole all my thunder? Oh, shit. Is it? Is it? No, it's not. But what if it was? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I thought you were done. I apologize. <laughs> no, I still have, I still have the number one. Okay. And it's got to be G.I. Joe, man. It was the thing I was into outside of Star Wars as a kid. G.I. Joe was the thing I was into the most as far as like action figures and all stuff goes. And G.I. Joe also did this really fucked up, like, G.I. Joe movie, like, uh, with the no. bio, uh, with, with, it was with Serpentor and Cobra Law, and they turned Cobra Commander into a snake, and he teamed up with Blockade, and that is he, tripped out shit. Yeah, that is wait, like, Cobra Commander they, wasn't always a snake. I no, no, he was a person. No. And uh, then he, just, they turn him into a snake with this like gas, and he's like, I was once a man. <laughs> Dude, it is the most tripped out thing you'll ever want. I mean, it's incredible. The, dollar, for my money, it is the opening of that movie. If you just Google G.I. Joe the movie opening and you watch the first five minute opening cartoon of it opening. where – Yeah, the cartoon opening where it's the dumbest plot that I've ever seen. Cobra, Cobra probably expends – like $6 billion worth of assets in robot <laughs> soldiers, missiles, vehicles, craft for the sole purpose purpose of blowing up the statue of Liberty, which you could just do with a missile, but they decided to like plant a bomb there. But that opening sequence and the song, it is so bad. Yeah, it's, it really is top. It was, it was on next level. Absolutely yeah. next level. Yeah, so, I, I, yeah, so Josh, I, I gotta I gotta push back a little bit on this whole trippy thing. I just showed my kids Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. My God, if you get through the like where he's doing the boat scene, where like the which one things Gene, Gene Wilder or Gene Giant? Wilder, nineteen seventy one. Yeah. yeah. Oh and yeah. It's like oh, yeah. everything is going, and it's like that is some weird shit, man. And, and I think it, it finally dawned on me. I've, I've watched that movie probably a half dozen times. It finally dawned on me this this watch that Will, that that Willy Wonka is actually mentally ill. He's a sociopath. Yes, like he is like, and I think he's him the, getting out of the business help. is actually really great because he is just he's full of madness. Yeah, he's yep. struggling. He, he's struggling. And that I mean, the whole thing with Meghan Markle and uh, mental health awareness. Uh, the last few days, hey, uh, Willy Wonka was was always there for you to to look at as an example of of how to step away from a toxic toxic situation. Mental health where no, that was all about finally getting back at the British throne. We did it, America. We did it. We were finally able to bring down the monarchs, and all it took was a co uh, uh, a co star of a USA Network show, Suits. She was in one episode <laughs> yeah. of the league too. Uh, when she also we finally, uh, the, we finally brought down she the also British one of monarch. The briefcase girls we did it for uh, deal or no deal. On this, the month of St. Patrick, we did it. Is that really a Take thing? A she was what, in the deal girl? or no deal. 
I think that's oh the only God. thing I knew about her. She was. Yeah. I, I think that's the only thing I knew about her prior to this whirlwind relationship with, with uh, Prince Harry, who was probably somebody else's son. Not Charles. Yeah, oh, he definitely was. You could see her boyfriend, uh, her like, it was, he was like the, the horse the rider guy. Yeah. <laughs> just it looks exactly like him. It's like, like, oof. like, like there, Harry's getting off a little light here. Cause the, in the old days, he would just be like sent to France. Right. <laughs> Exiled to a monastery. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, your your career is in the church, son, and it ain't gonna be working your way up to being a cardinal. Right. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the Medici's pulled that off pretty well, though. I mean, they made a couple a couple of bastards popes. So, anyways, well, that was our five. I I gave uh, the pot of, the pot of gold with uh, Hanson and. And uh, and Aaron, and Tyler, I thought they did a really good job. They answered three of my questions. A couple of them were top fives. The other one was the big uh, "What annoys you the most about people saying that you should do?" They knocked those out of the park. Oh, yeah. I haven't got a chance to listen to it. Can you give me a preview of their answers? No. Okay. No, <laughs> I cannot. Well, I'm not gonna spoil it for anybody else. Has no, uh, that's fine. And plus, I'm trying to think if I, I just remember being impressed. I can't. I'm trying to think about the details. Oh, I was I was disappointed in Eric's top five cities for Ohio. It was a good list, but I I was wanting a little, something else. But Tyler, I was really wanting him to do Indiana, but since he was born in Kalamazoo, he did Michigan. What was his Michigan? Oh. A little different I than guess, yours. I guess I, Ar- did he put Ann Arbor on it? Yeah, I guess I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to download it. I'm gonna have to download it. Well, I already have it downloaded. I'm just gonna have to press play on it. Yeah. Press play. Up. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, that's that's the show. We did the thing. We did it. Do do I do I have the balls to call this the spring the big spring preview? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Cartoony preview. <laughs> I mean, what is this? Brian Kelly's what? Eleventh year, twelfth year, eleventh year. Started in two thousand ten. Right, but I mean, so this is really only the seventh year. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Right. Two thousand ten, eleven, twelve. Wait, did he count. have any former uh, Weiss graduate assistants? You got to take out those years, and which oh, yeah, any Weiss do. players. Uh, you do have graduate assistants. I mean, Tommy Reese is still there. Yeah, Polian. Polian was on the staff. Tommy, oh yeah. Tommy Reese was recruited. I don't even think we can count. I don't. I, I don't think Brian Kelly started yet. I don't think he's yet. Yeah, I don't think he started yet. Oh, I don't think he's boy. got one yet. Done. Well, oh, Kelly, he'll get there eventually. Brian Kelly's never going to be a real head coach. He's never oh, going to be a real head coach at this rate. Well, New Rockney's record is now safe again. Well, that's good. <laughs> and that's all that really matters, right? Yeah, to a certain yeah. subset of Notre Dame fans, sure. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. Well, I got nothing else to add to this giant spring preview, preview, preview. Uh, Jude, you got anything left? 
Basketball got trounced tonight, by the way. They didn't lose by 50, though, so that's good. It's close. It was close. Judy, you got anything left? Team is playing. The women's lacrosse team is playing number two, uh, Syracuse. Two games tomorrow night, uh, ACC Network Extra, and then Saturday afternoon on ACC Network. So, yeah. if you want to watch a real, watch a real championship contending team that's not basketball, go there. Are you going? Can you go? No, it's not. It's not open to the public, unfortunately. So, Damn, that's I was great. hoping that they would play. I, I was hoping last time they came, they played at uh, Christian Brothers because um, the uh, Carrier Dome was having hosting women's basketball tournament. So I was hoping that they would do something like that because then outside. Didn't of, they deny you credentials just, though? Didn't they uh, deny that was yeah, the credentials? That was in yeah, yep, that was a couple years ago. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. Well, it was Notre Dame too because Syracuse was that's cool what I'm with saying. it. They deferred to Notre Dame, and Notre Dame was like. We'd like to see you show up to a game in person. I'm like, I'm in upstate New York. That's not happening. Be uh, thankful that we're writing about you. <laughs> but to be, you know, yeah. And to be honest with you, that person's moved on, and um, Pat Duran is the is the current Tom's guy. Oh, and okay. he's always been okay, super yeah. cool with cool with us. And to be honest with you, our our old buddy, um, what's his name, Mike Miller. Um, yeah, he did, he's doing the photos. Yeah, he's doing the photos. So I get I get uh, his photos through through the FIM staff. So I'm very excited and the opportunities when I get to share those with our readers. Cause I know that people really liked it. when he shot for us that one year for football. Oh yeah. Mike's yeah. Mike's an excellent photographer. All right, Brandon, you got anything left in the tank? Anything else you got to spit out? Uh, nope. Other than this phenomenal Photoshop of Brian Kelly, uh, hanging out with all the Fraggle Rock characters. Uh, I got nothing for you. <laughs> I'm a good sir. Is he dancing his cares away? Uh, I guess you'll have to. He's not did this kid's way, but uh, worries see. for another day. Let the music play. Down to Fraggle Rock. Yep, still in the words. Oh man, can't remember important. Can't remember important got, people's birthdays, but I can remember the first verse of Fraggle Rock. Yeah, awesome. I got fucking goosebumps, man. <laughs> goosebumps. It's an incredible time. It's a great day uh, to be alive. Sugar sandwiches. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, well, that's it for me. Uh, I got nothing else to add other than maybe a little something. You know, hey, didn't work out for basketball. Hockey still has a chance. Baseball's hitting, uh, doing really well. Top 25. Uh, Yeah, top 25. They they won their series against Clemson. They won their series against Wake Forest. This is not an easy task for Notre Dame. You're playing Southern schools. You you have to go play down at their place because of the weather. It's not an easy task to do this. Uh, So, uh, what they're doing is is really good. It's pretty special. This was something that we saw last year before COVID ended them, end of the season. So Link Jarrett uh, really doing a hell of a job. He's now in his second year uh, of getting this program back to to what we had we we had saw not too long ago. You know, being a a, a true contender as far as like being a a good team out there. Um, so check on that. Billy Gorman's been doing great. Uh, keep it up with that as well as with hockey. Um, so we got all that stuff going on and yeah, we'll get to spring, man. Once we figure out what the hell's going on with, with what we're going to see, I I'm telling you, I am going to laugh my ass off though. If there is <laughs> no, like if, if the media coverage is like next to nothing, uh, because my own personal favorite thing is listening to media members complain about no access. <laughs> 
<laughs> so that's just like, I don't know. It's one of my favorite fun things to do. Tales all the time. Yeah. Get on, uh, again, get over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review. We'll read that damn thing. We will take an hour to get through these reviews if we have to. We have proved that time in and time, time out. 12 minutes of banner. Ha ha. How about 50 minutes of just going through reviews about us being cool? That sounds like a good time. Uh, head on over to site onefootdown.com, Twitter at onefootdown. We're a little bit of everywhere. Thank you so much for listening, downloading. Tell everybody to start, just tell everybody you know. Just, just grab their phone, steal their phone, go to the bathroom, download the show on there. Uh, they'll come across it. Maybe they don't like it, and then leave us a review because we cuss a lot. So I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> for Jude and Brendan, thanks again, and go Irish. <laughs>